All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. cool? First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Alright. DJ Nubus and DJ Neko with you on the Metal Time Radio Podcast, Hordes of Chaos, episode 150. 150. Nice. Yeah. So I, I need to start off with a PSA and a mini rant. Oh boy, here we go. So I just came back from the dentist. I'm very big into preventative health and preventative medicine. So people just Go to the dentist and get your teeth cleaned. Even if you don't go twice a year, go once a year. There is literal studies that it, if you are not taking care of your teeth, the bacteria will go into your gums, into your bloodstream, and then go to your brain. They have, when and it can cause dementia. There have been many cases where they actually studied the brain of a dementia patient after they pass away and they find the bacteria from their mouth has traveled to their brain. So this is not, you know, like, oh, it could possibly, it does happen. That is not to say every person with dementia has poor dental hygiene. That's not to say that you're going to definitely get dementia if you have poor dental hygiene. It's just preventative. And I know I drag Anubis kicking and screaming all the time. He tries to go twice a year. Usually it's once a year, but also if you have high blood pressure or any kind of heart issues same thing it can damage your heart from the bacteria in your mouth if you're not cleaning it that is my PSA for for today I really am just I can't believe I've talked to so many people and you know if there's a problem I'm like we'll go to the doctor or if there's a problem go to the dentist or hey how about you know you go get your annual physical no, I hate doctors. No, I hate dentists. I'm like, I, I really don't think anybody thinks it's like going to the fucking club and they're playing some good music. It's just, I know my family was never big into preventative medicine. I think my dad only 
went to the doctor so he could get his blood pressure medicine refilled. My mom never would go and get an annual physical. And I'm trying to keep Anubis and I alive as long as possible so that we can die together just like in the notebook holding hands. Stop it. So when we're just stop when it. he's 90 and I'm 80, I'm okay with 80, we can die together holding hands like in the notebook. But I really, I want to try and keep like a very good quality of life for us, you know, I know shit happens out of your control, but if I'm, if we're actively trying to, like, eat healthier and, you know, we got to get back into racquetball, but it's been kind of crazy because the place is closed because of the snow, and then he and I both got our, our shots and both of our arms were bothering us, so we, we've skipped about three weeks. But anyway, now for my rant. I'm, oh, that wasn't a rant? No, that was the PSA. Oh. That was, like, you know... Take care of yourself because preventative medicine is easier and look. cheaper than... Oh, look, going to the bathroom again, are we? Fucking cat. Our cat. We bought her a new litter box, and it, it has this, like, little thing where you... Like, there's a door, and it goes kind of up and around. So she figured it out, but then she, I guess, got... Had to She's go to the, tied to into bare minimum. Yeah, she... Well, I think because she gets excited when she poops... She couldn't get to the box fast enough, and the door was small, so she pooped, and he's, like, freaking out. She says, she hasn't had an accident, and oh, my God, no. I was like, why don't you just take the door off? Like, it's two little cabinet doors. He likes the cabinet so he can put stuff on it. I said, it'll be a bigger hole. She can get... What the fuck does this bitch do? The doors are off, and now she goes back into the little hole still, and then comes out the big hole. I'm like, well, she's she's winning now. She's winning at life. Yep. Winning. So my rant right now, and... I hate to rant about it because this this company directly impacts Anubis because he's an Amazon driver. Um, I'm breaking up with Amazon. We're going to be quitting Prime very soon. There's nothing on there right now that I can't get on another service, the, you know, the Prime video. And the products. I started looking at Walmart, and Walmart is knows that everybody is going to Prime. So And, of course... Walmart has their own version of Prime where you can sign up for whatever it is, $14, $12 a month, like Amazon Prime, and they give you the free two-day shipping as well. But Walmart sells other website stuff. That's where we got our recliners, and a friend of mine, she was having an issue going directly with Ashley Furniture. It was on back order for her couch for, since, like, June. She went to Walmart.com. They had the exact product delivered to her in like two weeks so the reason I'm so pissed off at Amazon Prime is I ordered a screen protector um, for for DJ Anubis's big screen on one of his computers and the reason we did that is you know it's been giving a lot of glare off when we're doing YouTube videos and it's gla putting glare on my glasses on his glasses and I'm like I can't I can't handle this anymore I can't look at this and have glare it's a very nice screen protector but it's not a $700 screen protector. They charged me nine times. Nine times for this fucking thing. Nine times. They charged me nine times. It was supposed to be easy payments. Well, <clears throat> I always do that if they offer it. Like, you split it up into three payments, that's fine. But they charged me nine times. Nine. And they're like, oh, that was your bank just giving us a pre-authorization I'm like nine times and they're like all the money will be returned to you 
problem is with this, and this is a long story short, is that once they do that, it, it actually takes money out of your account. Like, you can't use that because it's being used as like a... It's a hold, a temporary yeah. hold. So it does affect you. This is something that we sort of ran into with M&T Bank. Oh, that was with our um, cashier's check. Right, so... I, we deposited a cashier's so check. So I, I get, like, why they want to do it, but the problem is we're not made of thousands of dollars. So it's not like we can afford to have Amazon take out those I don't keep a lot of money in the checking account. Right. And especially right now, since I haven't been traveling, I don't have as much money as I had, you know, a year and a half ago before I, you know, before I st stopped traveling. You know, $700 is a lot of money. I'm pretty sure for everybody who listens to this. It took us down, and then I got paid today, but then because it was pre-authorized and it took us <coughs> below our minimum, they had to take money out of our savings account because of the uh, overdraft uh, protection, and then they the bank charges me for the overdraft protections instead of insufficient funds, which it was... Um, if you go insufficient with Bank of America, it's, I believe, $35 for every insufficient fund, which would have been probably, I think, five um, things. So it would be the five insufficient things plus the 35 each. I'm just appalled. And then when I tried to talk to Amazon about it, I was like, why did you charge me nine times? Well, they knew why they did it, but they couldn't grasp why... We were having such a problem with it. She had to sit there and explain to you, like, look, yes, the bank is letting you put these over as, like, holding, but the problem is we don't have enough in the account to clear all that if something else should arise. If I need to pay for well, I have new tires or if I have to take the car in or whatever the case is. We just have random shit always, like, because I have things on automatic payment all the time. And right. I mean. And that way it would bounce our account. And that would create problems on the end where we get charged fees. So they're not seeing that until you have to, like, spell it out for them. So now they're only starting to pull back on that stuff. But that's that's the kind of thing about Amazon they started getting a little sneaky with. Uh, I noticed things just as a driver delivering how they try to cut corners with us out there. Uh, so just be wary that when it comes to your ordering online and stuff like that, that you have to watch what they're doing on your bank accounts because if you only have like a certain amount of money in your checking account, which you're using to pay for these things, uh, you could end up having fees hit you because if you, like Neko said, if you have things being automatically taken out like rent or whatever and it comes up and all of a sudden you don't have the funds there, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. So these are the things you have to kind of watch for so that this doesn't happen. And it's kind of crazy because there was plenty of money in our account until they charged $58. Yeah, that's a lot I of mean, money just to sit there in limbo, it was, basically. Yeah, and it was $700 total. That's right. why I'm so pissed off about it. I'm like, I was going through my head when I was looking at the bank account because I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to pay the mortgage this week. And I'm like, wait a minute, $58, $58. I only ordered one thing. So I'm so pissed off at him right now, and I said to Anubis, I'm like, all right, listen, if there is anything that you need, like, to watch on Amazon, we'll keep it, but we're not ordering from Amazon, and I'm canceling Prime, um, and we're going to order through Walmart, the other evil empire, but 
Actually, I haven't Walmart, been fucked over. All the stuff that Walmart has taken over the years, in the last two years, people have really spoke up bigly about them. Uh, just in terms of like even like uh, Instacarts and stuff. So people are actually saying, well, you know, despite all the problems that Walmart's had in the past, they're actually stepping up their game, whereas Amazon is sort of falling by the wayside. They've kind of lost their initial mojo and goal mm-hmm. of where they were. So uh, I don't have any problems. Um, you know, there's only a couple of shows that have been really good on Amazon Prime that I've, you know, really been hooked on. I know she has too, but... As far as, like, new movies added, I can get those anywhere else. Like, Amazon Prime isn't doing anything special in that regard. Uh, yeah, we save some money here and there when we buy, you know, certain items off of there. But I'm learning now that Walmart is, they sell other people, not just Walmart brand stuff, but they sell other brand, and they're posting their prices so that they're competitive with Amazon. It's just we've gotten so preconditioned to just, you know, go on the app. And, and that's the thing. Like, she rubs off on me because, you know, there's a guy that deals with isopods and springtails and, you know, all the things that I do with this tarantulas and the bio enclosures and stuff. And basically, uh, he's a big name on the web, but, like, very expensive with stuff. So I started looking around and researching and I found other people that are actually offering more in that regard for the price that you're going to pay, so and even cheaper. So, like the other day, the guy calls me because I have an order of isopods coming to me. And he's, I meant I tried to get it in before Saturday because I knew that I'd be working the next three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called me. He's like, yeah, you know, we only ship out certain days. We wouldn't be able to get there Saturday. So I didn't know what you wanted to do with the order. I said, well, you know, keep the money. Send it out Monday, and then I'll be home the rest of the week. He said, yeah, we'll get it there Wednesday. So that's fine because I will be there to receive the items. And unfortunately, this time of year... A little too cold Too tomorrow. cold. I can't leave them out there very long. So the minute they... Like last night, Springtails showed up uh, really late. And so, I mean, they were fine. But, like, you know, that's the thing you have to run. You can't leave them out there forever because they are... The little heat pot things they give you... It really last so long. Right. Yeah. But the reality is, like, I pay less for this. Like, the enclosure I was looking at, like, um, I think it was a BioDude. Uh, for the simple, the one I want to get for Third Spy, we, you know, Nick and I talked about this, but down the road. but Down the road. But the reality is the enclosure, the BioDude offers free shipping. And so I can look at another place that has it, like, $20 cheaper. But by the time I pay my shipping, it's all about the same. So, plus there's other stuff the guy has that I've bought for both what I have right now with the cultures I'm working on and then just, you know, the enclosure itself, so... And that's the thing, because you were buying the, the isopods and stuff off of Amazon because you were like, oh, it's just easier to get it, but... It's not, because that's the problem. That's where we ran into with Springtails and everything, where these other places, when you buy these critters, especially this time of year, they guarantee live arrival, so... Amazon does not guarantee that, so that's one of the concerns I had with the springtails that I eventually got, was that, you know, I'm specking it, like, prime, like, a couple days, and it was taking, like, four or five days, I'm like, dude, they're going to be dead by the time they get to me, I need to know what's going on here, so I was trying to cancel the order, boom, they showed up the next day, Uh, luckily they were okay, but that's, you know, I don't want to risk that, because even during the summer, right now. It would be too hot. Right. 
So, you know, the reality right now is Amazon isn't really, I'm a driver, so I know the expectations of me when I'm out there delivering to customers is that they tell us, especially this time of year, everything that goes on your truck needs to be off. You cannot come back with anything. Uh, unless it's like you know out of state or some crazy or shit. something like where they fucked damaged up. product whatever they but. fucked up his entire route like he they didn't give him the product to put in his truck right so like yeah so like Tuesday when I worked uh, I was doing what they call an auxiliary route so that's where I was taking these mishmash of stuff that hadn't been delivered the day before. And so the, the, I was going through three different cities. So, I mean, it was all still somewhat close, but it was still like three different cities. So it's further apart per stop. Um, so I, you know, and the thing is, when I scan it into my, my phone, the rabbit they call it, uh, which keeps track of my deliveries and my route and how to navigate and et cetera, but it tells me you have 80 stops and 100 packages. So when I get it, I start scanning. I had to scan, unlike before where you scan the big bags and that will tell you what's in it and you can go on like a regular route. I have to actually open up the bags, scan each package inside the bags and the, the overflow. The thing is, it doesn't, like if I scan, if I had 80 stops and I scan everything in and, tell, and I actually ended up only with like 30 stops that day for that route, which meant I was missing like 50. But the thing is, my rabbit never said I was short. It told me I had everything. And since I didn't have anything else in my cart or in the lane where I got my cart, I assumed that was... Yeah, Amazon uh, didn't give it to him. Right. So, but that creates a problem because I have to start marking stuff missing that's in my route because it, once I'm going through my, my route, it's telling me, oh yeah, you don't have this and you don't have this, which I'm looking for stuff and knowing, okay, I know I don't have any letter openers or bags or little stuff like that. So I'm calling, you know, at first I'm starting to mark stuff missing, but as I notice more and more shit not being there, I have to call my boss and say, look, this is what's happening. I, I don't have a lot of this stuff. My problem is if my boss is too busy and she's working on other shit and she doesn't go follow up on the stuff that I brought to her, by the time the rest of, you know, towards the end of the day, I'm getting calls from dispatchers like, dude, you have like 17 things marked missing. That's not good. Amazon won't like that. So I have to explain to them everything that I've just gone through. And so they are like, you sure there's nothing in your truck? I'm like, dude, I've been here for three fucking years. I've done this job. There's nothing on my truck. I trust me. Everything that I had from that car is delivered. The problem is I'm missing like 50 fucking stops. Uh, so what they did then was they're going to go search out what happened there, but then they sent me on a rescue, which is fine because... I went and helped this chick out uh, who wasn't feeling well, and then she had like 60-something stops. So I was out a little bit late, but got the shit done like I do. Uh, no one's really mad at me or anything, but that's the kind of shit that I had to deal with. But Amazon doesn't, you know, there's this constant battle between drivers and warehouse. Well, also, think about this. The, the customer, if you're waiting for something, say you had something that was marked same-day delivery or whatever, and it was supposed to be on your truck there's an amazon tracker and it can say like oh yeah this is this has been loaded onto the truck out for delivery and then all of a sudden boom well and that's it because for me with the route that i have it tells me i have 80 stops but there's no way for anybody to know if i'm missing anything because that way that that works for that route if i was on a regular route it would tell me i was missing shit and i'd be able to go to 
uh, the people at the warehouse before I even left the facility to find out what happened to these packages. Problem is with auxiliary routes, it doesn't work like that. It's a lot different. But I figure, I'm looking at the cart that I have, and I still had quite a bit of shit, so I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I just doesn't look like a lot, but hey, you know, 80 stops is usually smaller anyway. Anywho, don't want to waste any more time on this. Um, but we are ranting right now yeah. over Amazon, and it kind of makes me mad because I'm like, you know what, part of it is, is my impulse control, but now if we want to make an order, we have to actually say, okay, what do we need, and we'll order it from somewhere else. It just became so commonplace for us to be like, oh, I need a screen protector. Oh, I need this. You just order it from Amazon because you get it quickly. And, you know, they usually have everything that you need. Now I'm just so pissed off because I, I just I'm pissed off about the fact that they put they charged you nine times me nine times for one item like it I, I i can't understand what would make them want to charge me nine times for one item so they're i'm breaking up with them i'm just i was telling anubis i'm making sure all of the refunds and all clear yeah we just basically treat them like disney like you know uh of course we have disney through hulu now so that but some things will change with that as well as we get towards uh march and whatnot but you know, Amazon will be just treated the same way. Like, okay, so nothing's... Because we really haven't watched anything movie-wise or show-wise on Amazon Prime in, like, two or three months. So It's been a while. Yeah, so the reality there is I just treat it the same way. You can cancel and always go back to it if you want to watch the shit or whatever or even just rent it. I think you can rent them. Yeah, sometimes you can just rent it without even having Prime. Right, so... But I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm done shopping on their website. I have... And that's, and that's the way that you send a message. Like, you know, as an Amazon employee, that affects my my job. But I'm at the same time, I'm like, I'm a customer of Amazon. So with, with her paying, I feel it too. And, you know, I would never say don't shop Amazon. But the reality is... I can shop anywhere the fuck I want. Right. We're, and we're, we're choosing to shop right. on Amazon. I'll do my job the best I can with what I got to work with. But as far as a customer is concerned for me, I don't need to shop there. I can shop anywhere else. And if my bosses or whoever, like, was it Bezos? Is that the guy that owns it? Yeah. If he, cut, if he comes to me and asks me why, you know, I'm working for Amazon but not a customer, I'm like, I'll explain why. I'm like, here you go, sir. I'll tell you why exactly we're not with you because shit like this and it's not like it's always been like that but as of recently the last couple of years you guys have really dropped the ball mm -hmm. so that's your reasoning and we're fine with that so it's it's definitely you it's just not watch me. it it's definitely <laughs> you amazon it's not me right uh coming up today retro dvd movie vault pick for mine this week yeah, will be a lot of fun really sad mm, fucking bullshit. <laughs> uh also got we're gonna review cobra kai season four as well as we're gonna discuss a little something about uh reina foss from cold chamber ex cold chamber bassist and uh some interesting story regarding her really it's something you gotta dive into of course we'll also be talking about the late passing of betty white uh we'll add a little bit to that because we did do a review on her doc not probably a few weeks back but it's uh, been more than a few weeks yeah it, it maybe a couple few months mm -hmm. but uh you know we'll add on that because she was a very important person very important tv and otherwise 
Uh, a lot of new music coming your way as well. Some great, great classic stuff. The Rock Block. Uh, and Neko finally gets her wish with her pick of the week. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I don't know how I wore him down. Oh, uh, trust me. Everyone knows how you wore me down. It's a female thing. It's like the fucking Black Widow. Just, you know, it's like a spider. Like, I'm trying to mate, but then I get killed in the end. That's exactly what it is. You're a delicious and nutritious treat. Right. Uh, first block. I got a lot of stuff also from the labels and promotional sites. I'm still working a lot of those in, so you guys should be happy about that. Uh, in fact, this first block has a couple from Everlasting Spew Records as well as Grand Sounds Promotions. Classic Dismember in there, but here's Semantic Ritual from Grand Sounds.
listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. Get lit. Yeah, and John too. <laughs> didn't quite work out the way I totally wanted because there was more to it, but uh, it's a problem sometimes when you take things from YouTube. Uh, Betty White, of course, in the movie Lake Placid in 98, I believe. I went to see that in the theaters and instantly fell in love with the movie, mainly because of her, really. The movie is really good because Oliver Platt and um, is, it's Gleason, I can't remember his first name, but the other actor who was in the Harry Potter films. I uh, played the sheriff in that film, and the banter between those two was incredibly hilarious. But Betty White was certainly another highlight of that film uh, with her one-liners and stuff. So in that scene, the sheriff, the whole idea, if you ever saw Lake Placid, uh, you know, you have this crocodile that's in Maine that's in the lake that doesn't really belong there, but it's grown to like 30 feet long, and it's huge, and... Apparently, Betty White's character, who lives on the water of the lake, she had been feeding the crocodile for like six years with her husband, but one time, uh, a few years ago, before this incident here, uh, her husband was trying to protect one of the horses from the crocodile and got taken by himself. Uh, but in the scene, uh, the sheriff and Bridget Fonda, as well as uh, Bill Pullman's character and there are watching through binoculars uh, Betty White leading the cow blindfolded to the lake to be eaten by a crocodile because the crocs really don't fuck with her as long as they're getting food. Uh, it kind of like speaks to Betty White in a sense like because she's a, a comedian right? right but she is a huge animal advocate so it's kind of like a little tongue in cheek right. so she's like I'm taking care of my baby. Right. <laughs> And, uh, but the scene itself, like, the sheriff, you know, Gleason's character, he's asking her, like, well, you didn't buy a chance to lead your husband down to the lake blindfolded. And she's like, well, if I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. So, she, her, her lines in this are just fantastic. Yeah, it, it's just so good. And, uh, I really became a big, big fan of hers because I had seen her in Golden Girls prior to that, and she was very good in that as well. Uh, so for me, my first experience with her was Mary Tyler Moore. Right. And I remember I was watching it because, mm -hmm. what is it on right now? It's on something, or I think it's on Hulu. Yeah. And I was watching it, and I'm like, I have. it's been a really long time since I've watched Mary Tyler Moore from beginning to end. And I was obsessed with the show when I was in high school. And 
I think it's season three or four, Betty White joins as Sue Ellen, and she has her own, like, happy homemaker show, but she's, like, a man chaser. Like, she's the exact opposite of what she is in Golden Girls. Like, she's like Rue. Right, right. In she's Golden like, Girls. Like, they said she's, like, uh, uh, like a manhunter. Yeah, so, yeah, she's a manhunter career woman. Like, she's, she's very, you know, because she is looking at her career on the but she's so funny in that show too like it's just well we'd watch that doc and i don't want to rehash too much of the doc because we did spend a lot of time on that but one thing they say in 2010 was the snickers commercial she Mm -hmm. did and i thought it was earlier than that but maybe not but obviously in the commercial they said she kind of reinvigorated her career so to speak when she did that, because uh, for those that have seen those commercials where, you know, eat a Snickers and you're better, and they usually start out with, like, a celebrity of some type where they're making fun of one of their friends who's supposed to be that celebrity. Oh, so, you're looking like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. <laughs> so, And that's coming from Betty White. So, obviously, she bites into the Snickers, and it goes back to who the actual person's supposed to be with the group of friends. But that sort of garnered her more attention again. And she went, apparently, after that, soon after that, to do the hosting of Saturday Night Live, and she, mm-hmm. which she won another Emmy for. Mm-hmm. And she also was in Hot in Cleveland, and she did a lot of guest starring stuff. Um, and still, like, to this day, she always kind of jokes because she said, you know, I, I'm just so lucky I can split my time equally with show business and with uh, animal rescue. Um but I have to keep the show business so I can pay for the animal rescue. Right. And she said, like, her parents used to, they used to go camping, and and she originally was looking to be, like, some kind of park ranger or something. And her parents were also, like, you know, very into animal rescue. At one point, I think in the article I read, it said 39 dogs or 29 dogs that they kept at their house at one point. Um she even when you became a member of her fan club there was you know like a a little fee but all of that money went to um her her conservation efforts and it says here that she got a smithsonian medal from the national zoo on her recognition of her work in the area um, she served on the board of the Los Angeles Zoo for decades, and all of the dues from her fan club went towards animal rescue charities. So, for us, that's a, you know, it's hitting us right where... In a heartstrings. Mm-hmm. And she was married to Alan Ludden. Um, she had two previous marriages before she even got really knee-deep into, um, show business. And both of them were pretty short-lived. The first one, um... You know, she had, they lived, I believe, I'm trying to think, somewhere in the Midwest, and then during the Depression, they went out to Los Angeles, and the, her first husband, after he returned from World War II, he wanted to take her back to the Midwest, and it, like, did not last long. She wanted to go back on the West Coast, and then she married an agent in Hollywood, and he wanted her to quit, and she's like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not happening. But when she met Alan Ludden, like, she, the two of them, I mean, from their friends and everything, um, they said that they were just, you know, so in love and two peas in a pod. And he sadly 
got stomach cancer and died, died 81, yeah. in, in 81. So she has stayed, you know, unmarried since 81. And someone had asked her one time, why would, why haven't you dated? Or she's like, I can't say that I've, I didn't turn a date down, but why would I get married when I already had the best? Like, and Nick and I look at that kind of same way. <laughs> like, Which people don't really understand. Like, I mean, sometimes things change. Like, you know, Howard Stern said he would never remarry after his first wife, but then he did. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing that I... The at least most interesting thing that I've seen about Betty White's career late, uh, when she did the movie The Proposal with oh my God, that Senator was so Bullock funny. and uh, Ryan Reynolds... Reynolds is a big fan of Betty White, and like they were really kind of close in a lot of ways. So, I think Reynolds is like one of the funnier guys you'll find today, just within the last twenty years mm-hmm. with the roles that he's done. And uh, you know, when she passed, obviously a lot of celebrities spoke up on it, but you know, Ryan was one of the people to do that. He he's always been a big fan of hers, even in the doc. He was the person interviewed. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was the one doing all the interviews. That's right. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, it just, you know, she was so young-hearted, even though, and she was, you know, so funny, like, just, she no. seems so free of life, like, even with, you know, the passing of her husband, like, and you figure this is a long time ago, so, even from 81 to, say, for me, 98, like, even, you know, with Golden Girls there, like, 98, like, was really kind of, like, the turning point for me in terms of like seeing her mm-hmm. just let go and just be like totally hilarious. I, I just, I can't get over that role. Like people will say she's done so many great things, which she has, but Lake Placid to me was one of those things where like she literally, if not for Platt and Gleason's banter, she would have stole the entire movie. Like it's just that strong of an appearance. And Seeing her in interviews and everything else, and of course, as Neko said, the activism like with animals is just something that's very strong with us. Uh, it's sad that you know, unfortunately, we weren't able to kind of meet her at any time. Like you know, it's just one of those things that doesn't really work out in that way. We don't seek to go meet stars, but it would have been nice if somehow, some way in our lifetime before she passed, we would have had a chance to run into her. That would have been a lot of fun. Because uh, I think she's a very genuine, sweet woman. Uh, I I know, like... I've lost my train of thought. Oh, so... Right when she started um, Golden Girls, that was pretty... I mean, not right recently, but Alan Ludden died in 81, and they started Golden Girls in 85, I think? And she made a comment that a couple of the speeches that Rose, her character, makes really get me by the throat. All I have to do is substitute Alan for Charlie, who was Rose's husband. And she really, like, in Golden Girls, she was a widow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, living with the girls. And, uh, like, B. Arthur was divorced. I don't know if Rue even had a husband at any point. And Estelle Getty was... was well, Rue was kind of like the silver fox of the group, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The, well, she was the red fox because she had the bright red hair. Right, but I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of character development, yeah. So I just... For her... and that's <laughs> We mentioned that because of Grandma mm-hmm. Boy. It's the summer. Well, they actually wanted her to be Blanche. Because of her character, O'Mary Tyler Moore. Right. And um, Rue got that. And which is perfectly fine because then you have Betty White's like she does that nice sweet 
wide-eyed, endearing face and kindness, like, that Rose had. So, this is the saddest thing I've ever, and I'm probably gonna cry, but, like, you know, she had an assistant. She was older. She had someone who was with her all the time. She had multiple assistants, but, um, apparently her last words were Alan. Oh, wow. That I'm gonna cry. Because, so, like, she probably knew it was her time. Like, it just... And yeah. she was in good health. Like, 99 is no easy feat, but you don't know what's going to happen. She was, like, 18 days away from... Her 100th birthday, yeah. yeah. Um, some other interesting things about her. Uh, 17, I think, Emmy nominations and 7 wins. And remember when she... Probably had, one of the most underrated actresses you'll ever not hear about because we always think about you know, great actress throughout the years and we know who she is, we know the importance of Betty White, but do we really sit there and say to ourselves how great of an actress she was? Like I would put her up there with like the Michelle Pfeiffers and uh Judy Garlands and stuff like that or uh, Audrey Hepburns, like she is definitely somebody who when it's all said and done, like whatever Hall of Fame the the actresses and actors go to she is one that belongs there. No I, I think she does have a star and everything, too. Um, they, uh, when she was, I'm trying to think, in 54, I'm not, that's when she was doing her, um, the Betty White variety show, mm -hmm. remember? And remember she had, uh, the African-American guy, uh, Duncan on yep. there. Who she fought for. It, she fought to keep him on there because, you know, she did a little banter. He was in, you know, he did some tap dancing. I know he was in the band, but I think it was a... This is kind of like a Today Show for back then. Right. And there wasn't a whole lot on television, so she had to go on, on air for four hours every day and just make shit happen. And they had, like, some clips of her and the banter that she had with him. And I think they were, like, saying there's too much of, of him. You, we're we're going to get rid of him. She's like, well, if he goes, I go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that, and that's really groundbreaking in a lot of ways. And that's commendable because you have to think about the times that this is happening. And this, and this is something we saw with the Beatles a little bit when we watched Get Back because the piano player, I can't remember his name. God, you know, forgive me for that, but... Oh, he was good, too. He was so admired by the Beatles that they brought him in to play on their songs for that particular record. And, you know, people probably would have frowned upon that at the time, but they were like, no, we care about the minorities. And, and they even sat down, remember? I'll, t I'll show you that in a minute. Yeah. Um, they, they even... Um, sat down remember and all got together and like okay well we're, we got to give him credit on this and how yeah. we're gonna, how we're going to pay him and what yeah. how we're going to yeah. list him like they didn't like nope. just say we're going to use his talent and yeah they were going to pay they, him they're like okay, fair and like okay how do we get him what do we put him on the album as and blah 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 yeah it was like and if the the managers of the band and everything else that were setting all this up for that particular session uh, sometimes they were like, you know, we're, we need to do this. And the band's like, no, we're going to do it this way. This is us. And, like, I'm not going to say the managers were against the guy playing piano, but Paul and company had a vision with how they wanted that to be handled. Yeah, they, they wanted this right all way. to be live. They didn't want to break it up into tracks. They wanted a live experience. And Betty approached 
the other gentleman the same way on the show because their her bosses came and said, you know, we need to like do less, and she's like, no, that's not how this is gonna work. And if you don't let him be a part of the show like I have it, then I will be gone too. Then you can just do whatever. And all right, let me let me pull up all the awards that she's. Won. She got the Teen Choice Award for movie for the proposal. Mm-hmm. She had a spoken word album. Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. She won that twice. twice. Um, Primetime Creative Arts Emmy twice. Grammy Award for Best Spoken Word. Daytime Day- Achievement Award in mm-hmm. 2009. Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Game Show. TV Lane Quintessential Non-Traditional Family Award. Uh, Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. That was uh, Golden Girls, People's Choice, Screen Actors Guild. Uh, Primetime Emmy for outs- Outstanding Supportive Actress. That, that actress that was Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Um, Creative Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Comedy Series. She got that in 2010 for Hot in Cleveland. And that's the same thing here. 2012 and 2011 was was uh, hot in Cleveland. So she's been nominated and won many, many times, and well deserved. I, I I feel like what you're saying is right, though. Like people kind of gloss over Betty White because now everything is available. Like all that. Like I'm looking at my computer right now, and I'm. Well, like, it's kind of fine because it's kind of like a couple things. It's you know. One, we think of great actresses a lot of times. We we always think about beauty, and this is something you've always. You, in fact, Neko and I had this discussion about Harley Quinn, the character, mm-hmm. and how she's been portrayed in recent years. Betty White, you know, she wasn't like your like, especially later in her career, from Golden Girls on to now. You know, she was your older woman, like, but she wasn't like this hoochie mama like you would see. American Pie, or you know, uh, a she young. Was, she a, wasn't a, a cougar, you know? right? Like you know, you locked her. Like she was like your grandma. Like she's the coolest grandma you would ever have. And so, when we think of great actresses, we often forget about her because we sometimes focus too much on how they look. Even now, you you look at all these actresses. Um, some that I grew up with that I really liked, like Basinger or. Goldie Hawn, like they're trying so hard to hold on to the youth. Betty was like, nah, I'm just gonna be me. And but her acting speaks for itself. And when you know, like I said, when we talk about best actors and actresses, we don't rarely we rarely bring her up because we're not really thinking in terms of just acting ability. And I think the her she has just like just this kind, sweet appearance. And I think like when she was in Lake Placid and she, just the lines that she would say you don't expect her to say them because you're like it's Betty White and she's saying this is where I tell you to suck my dick like yeah it's like I figured it was like later on she's like officer fuck me <laughs> I'm just like Jesus Christ <laughs> and for me in the theater I'm probably about 28 at the time watching this and I'm like as Neko says she's got the look of someone that you're just like you don't expect that potty mouth there to be there, and but she just is blunt. This and this is how Neko will be like another thirty years from now because that's how they are, and it's cool as shit because I really th- love the fact that she had no problem 
playing that role like that. Like, she was a very nice woman in, as far as the character in the film, but she was blunt. <laughs> she and It goes back, kind of, I didn't even think about it initially, but Neko said, you know, she's very caring about animals. And in this case, her character is like, the gator, the croc followed her husband home one day when he was young. They fed it scraps. It's kept growing. Uh, and even at the end, I know, spoiler alert, uh, after the croc's been captured, the other one was killed. There was two. Uh, she's again sitting there on a pier feeding the little the uh, the baby crocs she's little like, pieces of bread. Babies nibble, nibble, nibble. <laughs> you know, and so it, it, it really does, that character really does speak to who she was. Like, it's not that she would live her life being a foul mouth, but she was straight up with people. That's how she was. And I wouldn't be surprised if that played a part back when... Uh, the, the black guy was, like, on her show a lot. Like, Duncan, I, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't at once think that she might tell them to fuck off, too. Like, she may have just said that. You know, she's a professional, obviously, but... She said deal with it. Right, yeah. You know, it's just how it is. So she was very blunt, and that character to me is one of my favorites ever from her. Uh, I, I forget who it was that... Because it's another actress we like, the older one in Grandma's Boy. Doris Roberts. She died uh, last year. Yeah, so she's also a very good older actress. But, like, if you would have put Betty White in that, that character, that would have been nuts. In Grandma's Boy? I know. That would have been fucking nuts. <laughs> but, I mean, I like Doris Roberts in it, too. Yeah, well, they both handle it kind of a similar way, and that's what's cool about it. But uh, she, Betty White would be missed. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um Missy, do I have one? Any final thoughts? She said, speaking to people, because she was, you know, working, they were doing a big article on her for her 100th birthday, and they did a whole thing, like, it's out on on the stands, like, let's celebrate Betty's 100th birthday. She said, having a sense of humor is the key to a long and happy life, just looking at positive and not dwelling on the downside. It takes up too much energy being negative. Mm. And she said, that's been her motto for years. In 1999, she told people she looked to make the most of every day. You better realize how good life is while it's happening, because before you know it, it'll all be gone. One thing she always said about her husband was the appreciation, I guess, is the best way to, or enthusiasm of each other. She said the secret to our marriage was enthusiasm for each other. If I knew Alan was coming home, I would I would freshen up and put on a new blouse, like just to get ready to see him, because she was just so happy to see him after he would come home, because he he did. Uh, Hence, like Neko on her first trip back in the airport, I'm waiting. I'm 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 purposely kind of behind some. People yeah, and I'm really short. He's a so foot watching, taller than me. I'm watching her come through, and like there's a moment where she's scanning everybody because she's looking for you know she texting. She knows I'm there. So she's looking around and like she passes by me once but then catches me again and comes right back and like literally jumps in my arms. Like that's the kind of thing that I see that Betty and Alan had as well. Yeah, it was it was a long four months that first time out to sea. <laughs> <laughs> and he I will never forget I that one cuz we you don't really have a lot of communication talking on the phone out to sea is like being on a walkie-talkie, but I still make calls occasionally. And we try to do, which is illegal. Well, it's not illegal. It's just frowned upon, um, like, FaceTime-type calls or Google Hangouts with the video. We'll do, and I'll do it, like, 
during the hours when I know everybody's, like, there's not as many people using the bandwidth. But that first time, you're like, uh, it's time for you to come home. And I'm like, I'm working on it! God damn it, they said 22 more days! I will never forget that. When they're like, yeah, we're, we're going back, we're going back to port. And I was like, sweet. They're like, but we're not going to Hawaii. We're going to Panama and it's going to take 22 days <laughs> and we can't go full speed because we don't have enough fuel. And I'm You're like, right. <laughs> I hate my life. And that's when that, those are the bad times when you're out to sea. Like, but I think it kind of broke you in, in terms of like what to expect. Paul thought I was going to quit. Oh, really? Yeah. He was at, like emailing Jim almost weekly daily especially as we we're getting longer and longer he's like how's melissa holding up and jim's like fine like she's seems fine i don't mean she seems just like her usual self and i mean i actually kind of like it i feel very uh privileged to get to do something like this because not a lot of people number one no it's great for many reasons we've talked about it, you know all the time but like her People that she works with love her, like, admire her and respect her. And that's, it's hard to find stuff like that, man. It really is because she came back, you know, a couple months ago. And, like, those guys were jumping for joy. Like, they just really were excited to have her back. And, like, I've never seen a job that's excited to have me back in that way. Hey. Except for me and my current one of the dispatchers I work where she we had a good relationship two years ago when I was working when I started out with Amazon but that's who I'm with now and so we have this good relationship like that so. uh, yeah because you went there because of her you saw her and you're like hey Brittany what's up girl and she's like what's up and then you're like she's like I'm at uh I forgot whatever got your six, got your six. Yeah. yeah it's even called got your six which is awesome and um she's like why don't you come over I'll give you a raise. And he's like, really? Yeah, it wasn't even something I asked because I said, um, I said, I told her, like, I was getting seventeen fifty. She's like, well, how does 18 sound? I was like, you know, that sounds very Done. good. Yeah. Done. And you know what? This is the thing, like, that kind of makes me happy about, like, I know we just, I just reamed Amazon, but this is technically a small business. It's a, it's an independent contractor yeah, DSPs are actually kind of separate from Amazon. We do work with Amazon. Some of them, like Rodney, my first boss, uh, he's actually a partner with Amazon. But the rest of them, we're all kind of like just like subcontractors. We represent Amazon, obviously, with the trucks and everything else. But, like, the woman that owns Got Your Six, it's her company. Like, I thought she had another job. This is all she does is this. And, uh, you know, she's very passionate about keeping it going and building and everything else. And, again, despite different issues I may have as an employee, just as far as, like, following Amazon rules and everything, they treat me well. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really ever have a problem with the DSPs that I work for. It's always an Amazon issue, which is separate. Like, Which is depressing because they're the biggest company. Right. And, you know, they have rules, and they're always practicing or talking about uh, safety and everything else. But there are things that happen that they throw on our DSPs, our owners and dispatchers, that they're like, you got to do this, this, and this. I'm like, well, that's not really a safety thing anymore. That's kind of risky. Uh, but, you know, it's just the things you have to fight through with companies, no matter who you're with. But with her, uh, you know, 
again, there might be small minor things that come up that are kind of annoying, but overall, her people she works with love her and and support her and everything else. So that's what you want. Oh my God! When they heard I was coming back, it was like I was getting text messages like, "I hear you're coming back. Is it true? Is it true?" I heard a rumor. Yeah, I heard a rumor you're coming back. And then, um, like the first week I was there, I was just kind of like trying to get all of my stuff to work, you know, because there's all these different logins and all these different, like, sites we have to have access to, and then I just was walking around the building, and there's a lot of people who travel out of my building, so not everybody is there all the time, and I was just kind of poking around over the opposite end of my, because I'm upstairs and the opposite end of upstairs, I wanted to see if this one um, port engineer, Gary, was there because he and I had like this really great relationship. When I first started there, he was one of my port engineers when I was in purchasing. So I was like, oh, I hope Gary's here so I can say hi to him. He wasn't there, but Andy was there, who is like my boss's boss, like my boss, boss's boss's boss. <laughs> like, And he's like, Melissa, we're so happy to have you back. Oh, Brian is just so happy that you're back. And, it's, and to have Brian be happy is... It's, they're like, ever since, somebody said this to me, they're like, ever since you started, he's different. I was like, I don't think it's me, because he had, like, that heart attack, and he had to get the, the, um, Stems stents or... put in. I was like, I don't think it's me, I think he's just, like, looking back at life, because he had, like, a little brush with death, and they're like, no, seriously, like, he was a dickhead, and then you, like, <clears> he became, like, super, and I'm like, I don't know, he and I just, and he's the one who, out of everybody, him and John. And John and I are friends anyway, but, like, John, he lives in another state. I, he doesn't even come into the office anymore. We haven't worked together since my second time in Hawaii. Or, no, that's a lie, since uh, uh, Curacao. So, I'm like, he and I, I really, like, wanted to work together on the next job, but he and I always, like, just talked and talked. I, uh, but Brian had no reason to keep in touch with me at all, but he did. Wanted to check on my mom. Wanted to check on you. Wanted to check on how I'm doing. He'd listen to me and let me bitch and be like, it's so much. It's so different. And he's like, he told me that I had a uh, gumption and like some other old timey word. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, but you know what? You have that uh, ability to exude something. Because. Gumption? No, it's not I don't just, even know what gumption is. No, it's not just... It, it, uh, it's like, um... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Go get Motivation, it. yeah. Okay. But, no, it, it's something about the way you talk with men, specifically, and women, uh, when it comes just online. Look at the people that we do shows with. They, they might like me, but they love you. And for whatever reason, I'm not even jealous about it all. Like, you know me. I'm not the biggest talker in the world anyway. But something about you, even like Kevin Turant, our biggest fan. <laughs> our biggest fan. I love you. We fan. They fucking love you for whatever reason. For, for whatever <laughs> I reason. I because I'm awesome. I haven't figured it out yet. But. <laughs> you, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey, now. I mean, come on now. We've known each other almost 20 years. Right. No, I, I get it. And... It's probably the same reason why you and I click. It's just you're infectious. 
and people like that. I, I do think I wear on people. I am infectious, like a disease. I told you, Spreading like... Spreading the disease. I told you when I first started, there was a new guy. Well, first started back. There was a, I'm calling him the new guy, but he's like, who's this new bitch? But I don't think he really liked me. I don't. He was, like, annoyed by me, and I'm like... And then something changed, and he's like asking me questions and can I help you with things and I'm like I don't I didn't do anything different I'm like if he doesn't like me I'm not gonna like bother him but he just like started digging my stories or just you know he's I guess watching me do things or whatever and he like I think that's the biggest thing is I am not what I appear to be if yeah, that makes one of the guys that's probably that's one thing a lot of people like like in this day and age uh some women like that's why people like lady fat blood because you know they're not you can be strong women and you can fight for women's rights and all this other stuff but then not trust me i know my limitations <laughs> well no just not cave in there's so many women out there right now that are buying into all this other bullshit where it becomes it's a battle of the sexes and it's so and dumb. that's not for me right for me it's about working together exactly and we do that when i am out things that I am strong with. But, like, just a quick point as we gotta get back to I know, to we're just, we, we love uh, You know, like, you know, you're on a ship with a bunch of guys, and they were being polite the way they should, saying, well, are you okay with this, this, and this, and how these guys... Oh, God, that was so funny. Like, what is, what is your line? And I'm like... You're like, I'll let you know. No, I, I, I was like, what do you mean, what is my line? I'm like, I guess, like, don't touch my boob. Yeah. And, like, I, they're like, you, you're not offended by anything? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. I, I, animals, they know the animal thing. Like, I told you that story about, you know, someone was just trying to tell me about a documentary about how they, the, all these people online got together and hunted down this cat killer like he was a notorious yeah. so we're not going to get into but he was telling me about it and I started crying and he's like <laughs> like why would you tell me that and he's like oh my god I'm so sorry because <laughs> I, I hear about that and I'm like I can't I can't even watch it I hear it's like a really good documentary but I can't even think about it because right now I'm looking at our geriatric old ass cat who has her own personal heater pillows Blankets. I don't like we're going back to the bathroom. Oh my gosh, she loves she's that just new box. Like, she's an old lady. I think she just likes to go in and out of it just to hang out. But she's right. getting a bath tonight. Oh, she doesn't know it, but she is. Back into our music. Uh, next block, we got some Blood Messiah provided by Against PR. And brand new stuff in Coffin, but here's some brand new stuff from Demoted.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y Sci-Fi Century Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla related information Peace Alrighty then DJ Anubis And DJ Nico And speaking of Century, who you just heard our little liner for, um, Neko and I have been working on the interviews that we were doing on via our YouTube channel, and um, we've done one for Mr. Tony Adet already, the interviews thing that we're doing. Uh, big fans of his, of course. We're going to be doing one with uh, Edgar Allan Poet, who you've heard on the podcast before via audio, but now we're going to do a video with him tomorrow, which would be Saturday the 8th, but you won't be... Well, you'll see it that day, because once I'm done, I post it. But uh, in terms of this podcast, you wouldn't hear it. You'll, you'll see the video before you even hear this podcast. That's funny. Yeah. Um, we also had plans, obviously, to do Derek from Flicks, Flick Snacks and Knickknacks, uh, Samurai Guy, when we can get him in, uh, Eric Gage, Movie Enthusiast. So we've got, like, a lot planned in terms of, like, getting together. Now, granted... We're going to try to get in as many of those videos as we can before Neko leaves. Because I really want her to be with me when I do these interviews. So. But I'm also going to be gone for two to three months. But that's so. fine. I, you know, we'll figure it out. Like, um, But, you know, we can always pick back up when you're back. But I wonder if we... So I'm going to be, like, 14 hours ahead of you. So... No, it's not going to work that way. It's craziness. I'll be like, uh, maybe you could send me a link. It'd be a glitch. It'd be like, NECA, yeah, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, with the really, really great internet they have out there. Right. But, you know, maybe it would be something that we could do, like you and I just... um, Well, I can definitely get you to call in like you used to. Like, (gasps) Oh, I did remember when I was Mm on... When I was on the Resolute, when I was in um, Taiwan and Hong Kong... I called you a lot because there was a phone um, in the next room, and um, it doesn't always work like that. And I have, um, I, I was able to call, and I was I missed Christmas and Thanksgiving and my birthday and Halloween. <laughs> it, was, it was quite a long trip, so it was weird because I was a day ahead basically. So Christmas for me. I'm having Christmas, and then the next day I would call. I called you guys, and like they passed the phone around um, at my mom's house for Christmas dinner, and it was nice. It was nice to like hear everybody's voice, cause as much as I do like 
being out there, it's kind of like, oh, I do like my family too. So it, it sucks when, you know, as we get older and it just, this is life. I, I hate that it's always like weddings and funerals or where you see everybody. It's And my mom has been really pushing to like, even right now with COVID surging, she's like, let's have another game night. I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea because the last time we all got together, everybody got COVID except for Scott and I and you. Yeah. Like, and I'm not joking. Yeah, and say no one wants to take it seriously. It's just a clue. <laughs> and I mean, but now like it's so serious that her dad's actually concerned getting shot. Uh, yeah, he got COVID, and he's like, I just can't stop coughing. Mm-hmm, I just can't mm-hmm, stop coughing, mm-hmm. and I don't have a fever or anything anymore. I just can't stop coughing. And, um, and I was taking antibiotics, uh, sore sore throat spray. I was taking so much shit. Not and this is before we knew what fucking COVID even was. I could not stop. Even after I started trying to feel a little bit better everywhere else, I coughed for like weeks. It was laying down when you were yeah. going to bed. Yeah. And this is when I was in Hong Kong. You yeah. were like, I'm not sick, but when I lay down, I can't stop coughing. I just, and I'm like, well, ask the doctor for cough medicine if he'll give it to you. I actually have my doctor just give me more meds, like more antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, dude, it's not going away. And we this is before it broke out with yes. everything else. So... Uh, luckily, it, it fixed itself with the antibiotics, but, like, you know, yeah, I probably did have it in some form. And you just didn't, I mean, because they didn't even really, and this is tangent Missy again, um, when it started, they didn't identify it as something separate from the flu. And it started in the Wuhan province of China, and it, you know, started spreading because there there are frequent tra- travelers, China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, etc. Um, basically, what they were seeing in September, October, November, December was an uptick in, a f- in flu-like symptoms and a, f- and a flu-like virus. Like, they didn't name it, they didn't, they just thought it was the flu. And then when they started um, realizing it was like a different strain, it was a new virus, that's when they called it, you know, COVID-19. And that was like, what, December of 2019? And I was there. I was down in the thick of it. So this is the two reasons why I think he and I have been kind of, because I think he got it before it was even announced. That's saying, yeah. I was in Hong Kong when it was happening without a mask, without, like... But she was on a ship, so... No, but I was in Hong Kong for five days. All right. So, but then we both got vaccinated when they were available for us, and we both got boosted. So I think because we've had so much exposure to it, that might be why we've built up an immunity to it already. Well, that's the whole point <clears throat> of the vaccines. People don't really understand that. They always want to throw out conspiracy theories. I'm not a big... Uh, Democratic fan at all, like in terms of like the politics of all this shit. But common sense to me is like, look, we've been taking vaccinations for years to try to balance the, you know, the colds and the, the diseases that go around. So I'm not even allowed to travel without. You saw my card, right? You have, like, I have like nine. Even before all this, she had to take like a number of shots just to protect herself from what's out in the other countries. I do have some breaking news before we get to our next topic. Uh, for those that follow the... Um, for those about to rock? Arbery case from Georgia. Ooh, uh, ooh, what, what, what? Where three men 
uh, chased a young black man down and then confronted him with shotguns and stuff. These were civilians, not police, uh, which turned violent because... Amand Arbery, okay. Yeah. And uh, the men ended up... Well, one of the men that he struggled with killed him with a shotgun blast. Oh, that sucks. Uh the three men have been sentenced to jail with uh, one only one of the three has uh, life in prison with the possibility of parole. The other two do not have any parole. So why? What was the problem? Like, why did they Apparently want to kill him? Apparently there was I don't a get it. series <laughs> of break-ins in the neighborhood. This is kind of a wealthy oh, neighborhood. Oh, God. Just because he's, he's now, a mod. Uh, Arbery was caught in video going to a house that was being refurbished or rebuilt. And just looking around, he didn't do anything. He just looked around, ran back. I was doing. He was jogging through the neighborhood. Oh, just being nosy. Like, are they building? Like, is they're building a new house? Right. I'm. I'm nosy like that all the time. So he's jogging through the neighborhood, runs into his house, looking around, just what's going on. Then runs back out, and these three men felt like that he was possible suspect and some robberies that were going on. There are three white men, older, and he's a black. Young oh, kid. dude! And I'm reading this one guy actually recorded. That's the guy that got life in prison with the possibility of parole. Oh, wow. Uh, he tried to plead, like, not guilty to everything else. He says, I was just recording. Well, it's like, you didn't stop anything. That's why. That's what the judge saw, too. It's like, you were a part of this. You recorded the evidence. But you could have stopped this. Or The biggest problem here with these three men, and I'll say this to anybody, if you ever have questions about somebody in your neighborhood, and we, we go back to the Zimmerman case. We have questions all the time. We do not live in a fancy neighborhood. You call the authorities. Mm-hmm. Let them fucking handle it. You are not the police. You don't need to start confronting people. Because if you're wrong, and in this case, this kid had done nothing on this particular day. It doesn't matter what his history is. He did nothing on this particular day to deserve to be chased down by three white men. And you're black guy. Uh which is a scarier situation in Georgia. Uh, you're being chased down by three black men with shotguns. I don't know how anybody would take that well. I don't care what color you are. Um, if you have questions about somebody in your neighborhood and you think they might be a suspect or doing something they shouldn't be, call the cops. That's what they're there for. Mm-hmm. Don't ever think that you have the right to make a citizen's arrest. That's the dumbest thing we've ever had. It's moronic, and it only leads to stupid shit. And like in, this. in places like here, we live in Baltimore, and um, this was down in Georgia, in like a, a metropolitan area. It was an era, area that is not rural, because you know some of these rural areas have like three police officers, or they they rely on the state police. If you're in an area where it's like you have multiple police districts that you can turn to, we actually have a dedicated police officer who is dedicated to our neighborhood because we have neighborhood meetings and stuff and if we have something that we want them to look into like say hey you know i think something bad is going down in this house we can just email the police officer we don't even have to like call 911 or anything emergency wise like that that is one of the nice things about this neighborhood even though it's a little bit trashy but we have partnered our it's not a homeowners association it's more like a community association we have partnered with the police because there are some shady characters around here at times and mostly it's petty theft like you know breaking into cars or breaking into sheds but it's a very densely populated area and we're like you know there's 
more good people here than bad people and the police are really starting to take it serious and we have a police officer who is supposed to patrol all the time to kind of keep an eye on things I know nobody wants to be the snitch or, or whatever and call 911 case in point the uh, we live and the house next to us is abandoned but it's not like abandoned abandoned it's empty they're working on it the house next to us on the other side somebody owns it and we know the guy but he's not there all the time he takes care of his elderly parents and it's a shit show but i we kept hearing this alarm and it sounded like a fire alarm now we kept thinking it was ours we're down in the basement then we go upstairs and i'm like it's not ours and we even like pushed ours to make sure it wasn't ours so i called the fire department i'm like i don't know if this is an emergency or not but we're in our house and it could be either one of these homes because i know they're not occupied at this time i don't know if there's an actual fire or if it's a carbon monoxide but it's been going off for a little while and i just really noticed it after we you know we were watching a movie and i turned off the movie fire department came apparently the back door was open <laughs> like the wind they didn't have to break into the house i don't even think the owner knows what the issue was because they went in they turned off the fire alarm and they're like you said they were doing renovations in the house i'm like yeah he said i think it was like sawdust or something that set it off we, we knew it wasn't anything majorly serious but it was just going on and on and, on. and it, it could have loud. but it could have been because right. it's an alarm for a reason it could have been carbon that, that's the problem it nowadays could have been carbon monoxide. that's what i'm saying today's you know it's not just fire alarms or carbon monoxide alarms so like you don't know what the fuck's going on if they snap a fucking gas line over there we don't know and so, then we would blow up because literally our house and that's not a joke because we live in row homes and that shit happens mm -hmm. all across baltimore so you have to be very careful with shit like that. I mean, I think our house... I mean, we got scolded for waiting a little bit too long. But I'm yeah, like, he's like, why'd you just call? I'm like, because I really wasn't paying attention to it until I turned the movie off. Right, because we had TVs going and, you know, just, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, anyway so... Interesting it, article that Neko came across. Oh, that's right. Oh, crap. It's, it's really weird. I sent you two articles on this. Yeah, yeah, because it's... It's, it's, it's not going to be very long because we kind of already solved it, but, you know, at the time when she brought it up two or three days ago, it was something of a big deal. Go ahead. Oh, oh, the Cold Chamber um, founding member and bassist, what's her name? Rana Foss. She, people are claiming that she hadn't been heard from since, like, what, 2019? Uh, I don't know. They said it was, like, five or six months. It, it's been a long and time. Apparently she had been in a home. Like, I didn't even know. Uh, like, she's 51, but I don't know if there's other underlying issues with her, but why she'd be in a senior home or not. I think that's what they were. Or maybe, well, like, a halfway house or something. Something I like mean, that, maybe, yeah. Maybe she is having problems and that's what i was saying because uh look i i, I remember seeing cold chummer uh at Ozfest back in 99 or 2000 and like you know she I, I didn't realize she was in her 20s then but the band itself was very young new metal band mm -hmm. had come out so uh you know i didn't really think much of it. i remember the stories that she left the band to marry the drummer of seven dust at the time and uh they divorced in 2003 and stuff like that but you know obviously she was a part of the first two records for mm -hmm. Cold Chamber and um, you know I, I was fine with it I mean I like some of Cold Chamber's music but 
Uh, so Neko found an article saying that she had been reported missing. Like, she somehow just wasn't, no one knew where she was. But uh, her daughter, via that marriage with Morgan, uh, has come out within the last day or so saying that, no, she's been in contact with her mom the entire time. Her mom's fine. Yeah, she's like saying, uh, Raina Foss is not missing. missing. I spoke to my mother as recently as yesterday, and we have never lost contact. Oh my god, this is such an t- early 2000 picture of Cole Chamber. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! So, so early 2000s. And those that don't know, Dez, the singer, Cole Chamber, is also the singer of Devil Driver. That's his main project now, so... But it's really interesting, because, like... They have this picture of her, and she doesn't look good. Mm. Like, they have this current picture, and it's, like, really grainy, and she looks like yeah, a say, drug addict almost. I, well, I almost didn't know, recognize her, because you look at her from there, from... I mean, I mean, I know time has passed. It's been 20-something years, but... Uh, I hate to use myself, but I don't look quite that bad. You look good. Now, you, women, you're, you're getting better with fucking age, man. Women you look like a, you're like tend a to age a little harder than men, but... So what are you saying? I'm saying women age a little harder than men. So what are you saying? <laughs> and so, say you. So what are you saying? I'm just saying tell me what she you, didn't age Tell gracefully. me what you are saying. I just told you what I'm saying. So what are you saying? I'm not saying anything about you. <laughs> No. I don't know. Your sister's only like four years older than me. Yes. She looks like right the fucking Grim Reaper. Yeah, she, like she's listening. Does to this. she? Yeah. So oh you God, just fucked yourself. I'm sorry. Good job. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't. She. Oh, she's she. I'm no, sorry. I, I actually I don't know if she listens to this, but uh, if she ever did, you'd be fucked. Oh, fuck. What do you want me to say? Like you're just fucking blabbermouth. Like a just bitch. fucking talk shit. I know. I talk shit too much. I, no, but you I, have a but point. What I mean is, she's not that much older than me, and she's obviously there's drug issues there. Well, she did bad. have a lot of drug issues, but like I have always taken, you you've seen my routine inside of. The <laughs> no, but that's always it though, because like, I have a routine. I can't I can't speak on Raina. I mean, I don't know anything about it really, but I think it's a fair assessment to say that something in our past is. There's a reason why she's where she's at in terms of the house and. Oh, her her parents have also been in contact with her. I mean, the good news is she's not dead. I mean, shit, you know, the the whole thing that when Neko brought it up was that was there foul play? Was it just like when they mentioned she was in a a senior home? I'm thinking, well, did she wander off? Does she have Alzheimer's? Is there some crazy shit like that going on? Uh, but apparently not. Like the daughter is came out and said that. Okay, so here, this is an interesting post by the daughter, Kayla. Um, to everyone that has reached out in some way and to the media that has been reporting on this, let me set the record straight. I've been, I've seen all the posts regarding that my mother has been missing since September. I have no idea where these stories are coming from. I spoke to my mother as recently as yesterday, and we have never lost contact. My grandparents have also been in contact with my mother, and we all know exactly where she is. I have a message into the New Orleans Police Department advising them of this, and I'm waiting for them to respond. I've also seen other stories about Dez, my mother's old singer, and a feud with my father, Morgan. These are also false. My dad and Dez are friends, and they have been for a long time. I'm confused where all this has come from, but it can stop. 
hopefully there won't be a next time, but maybe someone can check before running these stories that end up disrupting my entire family in the future. That's a solid point, Ken. Media, got to be a little more uh, thorough in your investigating. Uh, granted, if, if people are reporting and somebody missing, that's important. It really is. Like, I can't fault authorities or whoever to looking out for somebody because if you ignore it then that could be a problem mm -hmm. but uh yeah there was something about des and morgan not getting along some sort of feud but morgan says it never really or the daughter says it never happened and i mean like i i'm like with you i would rather err on the con like side of caution yeah like maybe it's not actual but if if someone comes to the police and says i haven't heard from somebody and they have been a regular contact of mine. I I go through this with a friend of mine. Um, I know she doesn't listen to this, but that Jamie, mm -hmm. I've been friends with her um, probably since middle school. And I know in the last, like, seven years, maybe, she's really hit rock bottom, had some drug issues. At, at one point, I actually sent her, like, $100 because I was like, I don't even know what... She's like, I don't even have a place to stay. And I'm like, I don't have a lot of money, but I'll give you $100. Like, see if... Make this last. And hopefully she didn't use it for drugs. But I, I've had this happen because I've actually recently reached out to her because she hasn't been active on social media. I don't even know what her phone number is anymore because she's changed it so many times. And I'm like, I'm just checking on you. Are you okay? And like, it, you know how on um, Facebook and all it'll show you if somebody read it? So I see that she's read it, but I've not gotten any kind of response. And then I hadn't heard from her in a long time. This was a couple of years ago. Nobody had, and even her people, she was living in Florida people were kind of like posting publicly on Facebook like have you heard from her have you heard from her and I reached out to her family saying I haven't heard from her have you heard from and I, I felt like her family almost was done with her do you know what I mean like mm -hmm. and I get it because when you're dealing with someone who is a relapsing addict it, it gets exhausting and she has a daughter so like her daughter has been with her her mother well this is a uh a case and like again you know her better than I do but just in general when it comes to stuff like this you can only go so far mm -hmm. with family members who have I don't even know where she is right now and, and at this point it's not about not caring or loving for them it's just that you kind of like decided that you can't waste any more energy on that because it's just a, a never-ending cycle so at some point and I at, when we talk to poet because we're going to get into sports when we talk to him a little bit about Antonio Brown and some of the bullshit going on there mm -hmm. if Antonio Brown has like mental issues which I don't think it really is but just in case it is at some point he has to reach out and get help he has the ability to do that he's a grown adult he's able to pay bills he's able to play football so it's not like he needs to be cared for by but uh, I'm going to also revert back to last week it's very men have a harder time being diagnosed with with things and I don't reaching think it's out that. for help. Well, that's just a pride thing. But again, it's the responsibility of that person to do it. You cannot force anybody to change. You can't do it. It's impossible. No. I'm not saying... I'm, but we'll get into some of that tomorrow mm -hmm. when we talk to Poet about it. Uh, 
All right, into our next block because we gotta get rolling. Rolling, 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 rolling. Some uh, mixture of black metal coming your way with some stuff from Kobar PR, brand new stuff from Evoking Winds, and here's some classic stuff from Devolus, Devolus Rising.
Everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, we are back, getting ready to jump into our rock block. Coming up today, we got some Bone Shaker, Phantom Blue, Theo NT, Heavy Load, Solar Eagle, and of course, Neko's Pick of the Week. You're not even going to give a hint to what Neko's Pick of the Week is? Yeah, sure I will. Uh, Patrick Swayze, that's your hint. Who? Patrick Swayze. Yes. Swayze. 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 I love the Swayze. I've been pressing for my entire adult life that this would be the pick of the week. And the thing I I really think with uh, Anubis is he is... What's the right word? Anubis is... I broke him. I just I just worked him and I broke him, but I started kind of saying to um, to him, you know, I want to do this as a pick of the week, and you're like, it's not heavy enough or whatever. I was like, but I want to point this out because it was when we were doing the new wave, um, the song I did like maybe a month ago that was new wave. I said you have to realize that this was an important part of rock music. It was an, a rock era. It was groundbreaking. Blah blah blah. So he's been thinking about some of the stuff that I send him. It doesn't necessarily have to be like hard rock. Um, he is willing to take something that he finds impactful. And uh, another good example is the Alan Parsons project. I he laughed at me because I'm like it is totally like almost yacht rock it's very but it's good and it's very well done and it's catchy as fuck when I did Eye in the Sky and I can listen to that song on repeat but some of the things that we've learned about how important Alan Parsons was in some influential bands like the Beatles you realize that his music is important and his you know impact in um you know music overall is important so i'm just gonna put that out there anubis has kind of been a little bit more i don't want to say lenient because he doesn't hate this song but he was always leaning more towards um heavy rock music and then when i started discussing with him and bringing up things like you know i know it's not a super heavy song but xyz and it should also be noted that, despite the song itself, like this has happened before, where Neko will pick a band and song to play, and I say to her, I say, "Well, yeah, this song's good, but they literally have like other rock songs that fit more with what we're doing now." I've had to kind of like give a little bit leeway because she makes a great point about the whole origins of rock and metal, like because. We've now incorporated rock with our metal shows on Hordes of Chaos. Uh, we've opened ourselves up to a lot of the influence. So, like, literally, we've done Pennywise. It's a punk rock band. It's not metal. It's not regular rock. It's punk rock. 
So if you're going to open that door, then you kind of have to open it up to other things. So we did uh, Human League. That's That was the New Wave song. I can't remember which one I picked. But, I, but I, you know, I love 80s pop music. So, like, Flock of Seagulls or Men Without Hats. Like, I, I, I might lean to playing something from Flock of Seagulls because they are a New Wave type was thing. Was it last week I did Duran Duran or was it the week before? I can't remember. I don't know, but that's another that's one. That's another one where Duran Duran was a really influential, you know, 80s band that took their music and curated it towards 90s alternative rock. And I felt like that song really needed Ordinary World and that album really needed to kind of like be recognized and then be recognized as, you know, a great innovative band because, you know, they survived their big hair, bad hair, whatever you want to call well, it. Well, I've kind of learned over the years, and I haven't, still haven't gone back to this record to listen to the whole thing, but I remember the guitarist for No Moss, John, our friend, um, he actually likes The Cure, like one particular record, which is the record that Friday comes on in the love song. I don't like either one of those songs. However, when he was playing some other stuff from that record, that was more of the dark wave stuff, it actually is pretty dark. It's a lot different than the hits. And so I'm like, and I like Burn, which comes off the Crow soundtrack. Mm -hmm. It's a darker version of, of, of a song. So I had to take that into account because, like, with Honeymoon Suite, when you listen to some of their hits, you're like, wow, okay, it's a pop rock band. But if you listen to the rest of the records they have, it's a little bit more edgy and harder, so it's not always you're not always getting a true representation of a band when they put out a particular single. Um, so I kind of have to look at it like this: like Toto probably has more songs that are prog rock. Hey, hey, hey! You've spoiled it already. Well, they know it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> they know it's coming. But once you start playing something from a band, like it doesn't necessarily mean that's the best representation of like other stuff in their catalog but it's a song she chose for it's whatever a, it's a very specific reason right Swayze so we're gonna kick it off though with some other stuff this is Solar Eagle called The Unicorn and stuff that you probably haven't heard but I wanna hear it yeah let's get moving
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you would find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you
All I right. feel like I feel like we're a. We're meditating. So, it's my pick of the week. It is. It is. And I fought and fought my husband on this pick because I um I absolutely love the song like a lot. I love the band a lot. And he already gave you a little spoiler, so I'll tell you up front. The song and the band that you're gonna listen to is Toto Rosanna. That's backwards. Rosanna Toto. <laughs> and I the thing I love so much about this song, obviously, it's like a really catchy song, and it's Toto, so they're fucking amazing. They've always been amazing musicians. There's so many great, like, just Toto. Come on, Africa is, like, ubiquitous around here. But, even though, yes, Africa is in my heart, the thing I love about this song is, um... The girl who played Rosanna in the video is Cynthia Rhodes, and she played Penny Johnson in the movie Dirty Dancing. And Patrick Swayze is also in the video, but not like seen as much. He's kind of like a background dancer. And it's pretty badass because like, I, I know a lot of people love Patrick Swayze as much as I do. And, but Patrick Swayze's kind of like a divisive figure. And I think because Anubis met me, he kind of sees a lot of the other side of Swayze. I love Swayze for Roadhouse, but I also love him for Dirty Dancing. And there was um, the movie he did with his wife, Lisa Remy, you actually really liked, which was One Last Dance. And it was a complete dancing movie where there was like this big, you know, performance that they all were supposed to do when they were younger and then the director dies and they all come back together for one last dance. Like, big deal. Like, but he saw it and he's like, wow, yeah, Patrick Swayze is really fucking good. I'm like, yeah. And if you go back in the day, yeah. <laughs> there was this um, performance that he and his wife did to um, Whitney Houston's song, um, You Lift Me Up. That's that's the right. You lift me up. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that song. So, it was done at the um, Grammy Awards, and it was, and it, back in the eighties, beautiful. I just don't think people remember Patrick Swayze because he's ripping people's throats out. Like you know, he's a badass too. He was a fucking cowboy. Like he had a ranch, but he hey. was, he was also raised as. A dancer, and remember, we watched that Swayze doc. So you're a dancer. So you're a dancer, but his mom was his teacher for years. He met Lisa years ago in the, you know, in the core of the ballet. Um, we we watched that doc on him, and we saw how he was a very divided person. He loved being a manly man, and he loved dancing, but more than anything, he just wanted to please his father, and he felt like no matter what he did, his dad was just never like proud of him. So, I have a huge love for Swayze, my entire life, and knowing that he is a part of this. What's really interesting is, um, 
there's like that whole snapping part and um they put that in and did the video the way that they did because they were thinking of West Side Story you know like and he thought uh, they thought about doing something similar to what Phil Collins did in his You Can't Hurry Love video where the guys do some shadow dancing and they're snapping their fingers but it got more elaborate and the director started working on it and all of a sudden there's like all these dudes dressed in leather jackets, like grease jumping around, and they were pretty impressed because they were all like dancers, obviously. But this won a Grammy Award for Record of the Year and helped Toto for win Album of the Year. And they also got Producer of the Year for the work on this album, which Toto themselves produced, like the group as a conglomerate produced. They didn't hire an outside producer to do the production on this. So, um, where is it? Shit, I can't find it. What was interesting is they came, what year did this come out? God damn it. 84. 84? Maybe. Okay. 85 Beat It came out. Mm-hmm. And you saw that they had the whole, like, gang thing too and people have made mention because I mean Michael Jackson takes inspiration everywhere this was you know album of the year song of the year Grammy winning it's possible that Michael Jackson took a little inspiration from this video and put it in because it came out a year before beat it well I think okay so if it's Beat it. If Beat It took inspiration from this, then that means this song came out before 83 because this Thriller came, was an 83 album. Mm-hmm. So this came out before the Beat It um, video, basically. Right. And remember back then, like, everything now is, like, go, go, go. You, you put out 100 videos. Back then, it was a little bit of a production to do a video. Like, you, you we were talking about uh, Def Leppard. They were touring and they already had their other album in the can, but they didn't want to release it because they were still making money off of their current album. So it was it was actually kind of interesting to hear that, you know, this music video came out a year before Beat It. And we saw, like, Michael Jackson take inspiration from this into his music video. But... The most interesting part about this, and this is something I just learned. So, Rosanna Arquette was dating Steve Porcaro, uh-huh. who was the keyboardist, the doodle And not long after the song was released, uh, they broke up. And apparently Rosanna Arquette was really into musicians. She had quite a turbulent relationship with Peter Gabriel before he got married. And also was dating Paul McCartney for a hot second after Linda McCartney died. So the song was written by David, I'm pronouncing this wrong, Peach, inspired by Steve Porcaro's girlfriend Rosanna Arquette, yet sung by lead singer Bobby Kimball. Hmm. Many listeners assumed it was Kimball who was involved with Arquette. So it was like a big to-do when this came out, because they kind of knew, like, Rosanna Arquette was always sniffed around bands. 
So recently, somebody like sniffed around. I know. <laughs> recently, somebody came out to um, Toto and says, "Hey, was it really Rosanna Arquette who inspired the band's hit, Rosanna?" And basically, what they're saying is yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was her name. It's not completely about her, but she was dating. So. Porcaro and uh, Paige were living together, so they were, like, kind of best buds, and, um, so it's not completely about her, but the name, like, kind of fit what they were going for. He said he was looking for a title, and he was singing the chorus, Meet You All The Way, when she walked into the studio, and she, Steve was living at, at the house at the time, and she was really cute, and everybody had a crush on her. And as she walked out, I just finished the line with Rosanna. Like, meet you all the way, Rosanna. So it just kind of fit for the song. And, I mean, they, they admit it. Some of it is about her. And I will leave the rest to everyone's imagination. So it was kind of like a fling between Porcaro and Arquette. And it just kind of turned into this amazing song that had amazing dancing and the fucking song dude I, I i could do this song every day all all day i do sometimes i'll put it on repeat and just be like i love the way he sings because he like looks like he's taking a crap like it's just it cracks me <laughs> even when he's i placed me sorry his face he like squeezes his eyes shut and he's like so yeah, I really wanted to present this for a long time for all of the reasons I told you and this new reason about being it being about Rosanna Arquette. But I think Toto like totally deserves to be my pick of the week. I they're phenomenal and this song is I watch it. If you watch the video, I love dancing and I love choreography and the choreography and the placement of all of this is just magnificent so without further ado i present to you toto rosanna attention please be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight. DJ Neko's pick of the week. In the morning, see you out. 
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. Alexopolis has ropes and on the ropes. Which of these fighters will advance? The Akadon, all-star corruption. Winner! Newcomer Dimitri Alexopoulos is heading to the semis. Your little friend's lucky to have to face Cobra Kai. Can't say the same for you, though. Lip. I'll make you kiss that man. Ignore him. He's always been a bully, but that's not who you are. I don't know who I am these days. You're not defined by your haircut, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong, I loved it. I was really digging the purple, actually, but... Like, too, for your energy, your confidence. Yeah, well, I uh, lost my confidence, so... Eli. Next up in the quarterfinals, it's Kyler Park of Cobra Kai versus Eli Moskowitz of Miyagi-Do. Looks like you've got a fight to win. Everything good? Never better. I know who I am now. And who's that? The guy's gonna win this whole fucking thing. Your marks? Face me. scene there from Cobra Cry season four and that was a scene involving Hawk who was Eli of course he dropped that yeah a lot of changes in the Cobra Kai I don't know what you would call it like just one thing about season four now is like and the cool thing about the entire series is that we've always been reintroduced to like the movies of past with like different characters so like last season we saw Elizabeth Shue return as Allie and you know that sort of like was the big thing about uh excuse me that was the season two I think that happened because season three I think was with the Okinawa stuff where uh Ralph Akio's character goes to Daniel goes to uh Japan and you know that was three when he went to Japan yeah so, but we've seen this as a thing as this series goes on, how they're bringing back the original characters from these movies. And uh, season four, of course, at the end of season three, we realized that Johnny and Danielson are combining their forces with uh, Eagle, Fang. Eagle Fang, Karate, and of course, Miyagi Dojo. Uh, 
to try to get these kids ready for the tournament that's coming up against Koba Kai, which Kreese has, and of course we've now been reintroduced with Terry Silver, uh, portrayed by uh, Thomas Ian Griffith from The Karate Kid 3. And so the crazy thing about that is I didn't realize that that was him, because he... I, the dark hair is gone. He's now got silver hair to right. match his last name. And I'm like, I don't understand why he's, like, so important. And you're like, uh, didn't you see Karate Kid 3? I was like, yeah. And he was like, you're like, that's the guy who was the trainer when he left Mr. Miyagi for a hot second. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. well then. Yeah. Sweep, sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Yeah, and... It's interesting about this because, one, we now have Robbie, who is Johnny's son, as being the leading fighter for Cobra Kai, along with Tori, the girl, who has, of course, been remained faithful to Cobra Kai, who have these feuds with... Um, strike first, strike hard. Daniel's daughter, and... Who's the... Miguel, 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 uh, who used to be the lead fighter for Cobra Kai, so he's like his back and forth. But now, now he's with Eagle, Eagle Fang, and he was with um, Miyagi Do for like a hot second too. Well, like, and that, well, that's the, the dilemma here is that you know Daniel and Johnny have different philosophies and how they want to teach these kids. So Daniel and Miyagi Do is about defense. Johnny has always been about offense. Uh, stuff that he's picked up with Cobra Kai. So, really, when you think about it, both sides of that are very positive. And we noticed that with all of them because Cobra Kai decided Robbie has knowledge of Miyagi Do. So, he's basically given away the teachings of Miyagi Do to Cobra Kai so they know how to, to fight against that. Mm-hmm. And whereas Johnny and Daniel are now teaching their students both offense and defense because you can't win with, with just one and they realize that as they get into the tournament especially daniel that defense isn't going to cut it because if cobra kai knows what you're going to do they're going to find ways around that mm-hmm. and so with that, and that scene with hawk is a good example of that because as even though it wasn't it was kind of like a shorter version of the scene but Hawk is defe- defeating one of these guys pretty easily who has been bullying him around and whatnot. And at some point, actually, when they get to the championship, because Miguel gets hurt and Hawk is going against Robbie for the title, uh, he's going to Daniel. He's like, Well, how do you want me to handle this? How do you want me to fight? And he's like, Do what you know best. Do both. Mm-hmm. And that's what Hawk does. He combines both Miyagi Do and uh, the Eagle Fang. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try out these Cobra Kai. Yeah, it's basically just Cobra Kai uh, renamed as Eagle Fang, really, but with a different philosophy in terms of like not being a dick is basically what it comes down to. But because the old Cobra Kai slash Eagle Fang, their whole um, technique is yes, strike first, strike hard, no mercy. It is a very offense-driven style of karate, and the. Miyagi-Do is more wait, get attacked, and use your defense to block and attack at the same time. So I think, like, when they were realizing that Robbie was sharing all of the information, it was kind of like, well, we know you too, motherfucker. And since some of them, like, 
his daughter, Daniel's daughter, she was like trained by Johnny as well. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Sensei Lawrence, you know, I trained with him too, and she was doing her at you know her fight at the end, and um, she's like, she she knows all my moves, blah blah blah, and they both said, you know, fight the way that you know how to fight you use what you know and fight and i think both of them after they realized like yeah we 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 learned with that is that tori ends up winning the match which i'll get back to her character in a minute but what happens is when i forget the girl's name that plays the daughter of daniels but uh she starts going on offense and it really screws up tori's uh timing plan. and stuff yeah because she's like now nah, she she knows what we're doing what, what am i doing here and so basically it just comes down to tori just being kind of more of the skilled fighter um you know the the go for the throat type chick she's very good uh so she does end up winning the match but there's that point where the other girl's coming on the offense and it throws her off her game a little bit uh and the same kind of with Hawk, you know, Hawk is in there, he's kind of doing fine against Robbie, but it's like, at some point, Daniel's like, look, you just got to use both, you need to be able to integrate both the uh, teachings and, and go in and win this, and he eventually does, Hawk actually wins the title from the men's part, they split it up between men and women, so, uh, you know, Tori won the female part of it, whereas Hawk won the male part, um, there's even a scene there towards the end of the matches that Daniel and Johnny are being co-coaches. Like they've they were once three separate uh, groups, then they become Samantha. two. Yeah, Samantha's the daughter of Daniel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the other side of all this is that going back to uh, Terry Silver. Is this was a guy who actually was tricking. Daniel when he was a kid about being Cobra Kai when he was having a distance from uh, Miyagi uh, and, he, and Daniel thought that he was going to get more training and you know because he kind of felt like I forget the reasons why they had a big fight but because yeah. this was I don't think this was the All Valley I think this was like the next level I don't think this no it was All Valley it was All Valley okay it was just reformatted because they expanded stuff to where they had the the no, I'm talking about Daniel's experience. Oh, his I, wasn't. His was just training. Yeah, it was training, and he had another fight, and he was fighting this guy who... It, it was more like a professional fight. It wasn't like this, where it's amateur, and it was the guy who... Um, they called him the kid, remember? The guy that Daniel fought? And he was really... They, they said, ask Mr. Miyagi to um, show you this, show you that. Same thing that happened in the first one, too, but, like, he went back to Mr. Miyagi, and this is when he was, like, um, he had opened the bonsai store, and, the, you know, it's, like, adult, you know, early adult Daniel, and he, um, because he was an adult, and he was like, Mr. Miyagi, you're not showing me enough offense to beat this guy. I'm going to go train with this I, other guy. Yeah, the kid, I think, was actually another Cobra Kai being taught by Kreese. Silver was portraying to be this, like... That's what I mean. He was fighting the kid. They right. had set up a match between Daniel and... Right, and, but Silver wasn't letting Daniel know that he was Cobra Kai no. at the end. No, and then that's why when Daniel was 
getting frustrated because he felt like his current teachings were not helping him, he went to um, Silver and there was this one really impactful part where um, they even kind of showed a flashback in Cobra Kai where they put the kid's face on one of those wooden dummies and Silver had him fighting so hard that like his knuckles were bleeding and um, he was like getting really shitty with him like if you're gonna beat this guy you gotta do this and you gotta do that and he's like screaming at him and, and this is in Karate Kid 3 not Cobra Kai and yeah, I, Silver's goal was to he was torture like the snake. Yeah, yeah he was in there as a snake not to be like I know Crease like it was it was a plot yeah. to break down Daniel and then Daniel because again he's he's a young adult he just came back from Okinawa he's you know he's got all this money now he just won back he opened up his bonsai store life is good he's got Daniel or got Mr. Miyagi and then he's like wait a minute what the fuck I'm an adult I don't need to be on defense all the time i want to beat this guy i need to be on offense i need to be like you know well anyway they they brought silver back uh crease hunted him down he was turned into this rich uh socialite dude who kind of left martial arts behind and oh my god did you know the girl who plays samantha is 25 makes sense i mean they all look younger these days but jesus christ emma watson's 31 and still looks like she's 25 so who knows but Kreese hunts down Silver, and he's like, look, you know, we, we started this together with Cobra Kai. We need to finish it. And initially it was tough getting Silver involved, but finally Silver comes back. But then we have a twist because just kind of like the the struggle between Johnny and Daniel, uh, Kreese and Silver have some struggles because both, again, have different philosophies of how they want to proceed with Cobra Kai. Now Kreese always the ego wants to be the head honcho and the, the bottom line of everything Cobra Kai when Silver starts teaching things that he doesn't necessarily agree with about weakness and everything like that in every person which Silver actually has a good point in that because we discovered that through Kreese that he has a weakness uh, I won't give it away because it's still pretty new with Cobra Kai but uh, the twist ending with Crease and Silver at the end is, is a pretty good one because uh, there's a power struggle Are you there. Going to give away the... No. Okay. No. Um, but that we, we noticed this as a common theme throughout this entire season four between a lot of different characters. We noticed it between Johnny and Daniel, Crease and Silver. We start to learn there's some redemption characters here between not only Hawk who's still rebuilding from when he was a Cobra Kai guy but Tori we find out some backstory with her as well as her kind of like she's a caretaker for her, for her mom well like just I'm talking about in terms of just her redemption story overall uh, her doubts her doubting herself and everything and then Robbie's has a redemption and then we see the other side of this where Samantha is like actually the aggressor in some things. Her mom starts noticing that she's the one kind of bullying Tori or not trying to like patch things up where everyone really wants the kids in general to be decent with one another. Um, but Samantha and there's this rivalry because of all the past, uh, which has kind of been haunting Daniel and Johnny because they're unable to work together because of everything they went through as kids. Mm-hmm. 
So there's a lot of cool storylines in this. Miguel, of course, we also discover at the end he has something that he's going to take care of that shocks everybody. Um, and he, he is really kind of one of the interesting stories of the All Valley fight, too, because mm-hmm. he gets hurt. And uh, I thought for sure there was going to be that Miyagi moment in there. I did, too. I thought that Daniel would get back there and be like... Yeah, you know, you thought it was one of those things, and uh, it didn't happen, so that's why Hawk ends up actually winning the bout, because he was fighting Miguel for the right to play in the championship, because they were in different mm-hmm. dojos. And they were friends, too. And right. they, they even, like, when they came to the, the, the mat, they bowed, and they did their little fist bump to each other and said, like, good match to each other. They were being very sportsmanlike, and it's not like Miguel got hurt by Hawk, Miguel like threw his back out because he was doing a jumping, spinning roundhouse kick, and it just like he right. pulled a muscle. It was not that Hawk did something underhanded to no, him. No, the initial concern was because Miguel had hurt his spine in season one, I think, uh, or season two, one of them. But uh, where he, we thought he was almost going to be crippled for mm-hmm. life, so that was the first concern. But it ended up being like a pulled muscle or something. But uh, they actually were going to try to get Miguel back out there. Uh, and that's when Miguel didn't show back up. Now, this is part of Eagle Fang, because he was representing Eagle Fang as their champion. Um, so when Miguel didn't show up, they left it to Hawk to go and, and fight for the championship, which he won. Uh, which is a very cool scene, because that's also redemption for him. Like I said, just in turn, he, he, he lost was, his confidence. He was kind of bullied, too, remember? Oh, yeah, Hawk, they cut his mohawk off. They were, they even really, in the first season, that's the whole reason he joined Cobra Kai, was because he hated, like, he felt like shit. He always mm-hmm. felt like he was being bullied, and then he got his identity as the Hawk. Well, that was one of the things that's very interesting about this whole series, because we start, this is actually more of Johnny Lawrence's uh, journey than Daniel's, really. But we saw in the first season that Lawrence, despite kind of starting Cobra Kai out the same way he was taught by Kreese, he did want to change things initially off the bat. And he took in a lot of these kids that were being bullied and picked on, and he was trying to teach them how to defend themselves and all that. And it worked, and that's why Hawk picked up on that. And Miguel, the same way. They were all kids who were not really viewed as you know popular or anything they were picked on a lot so they all became something out of themselves uh but now like there's again there's these philosophies between koba kai uh miyagi Do- uh, dojo and eagle fang that you know you got all sorts of things going on these kids are like being yanked around and whatnot but they're picking out some valuable stuff i mean uh the good news is it looks like that Daniel and Johnny are actually coming together with their philosophies and how they're going to go forward with everything, which is good. Uh, but again, the end of the season has some a couple cliffhangers that's going to leave things open for where do we go from here. So it's going to be very interesting. But I know that Nick and I really enjoy these, this series I want to. I just want to binge the entire series again. Like, I want to start because we started watching this when it was on YouTube. It wasn't even on Netflix. And then Netflix picked it up. I think we saw the first two seasons on YouTube. And I actually am like, okay, I guess we'll pay for YouTube for this. And then when we're done, we'll cancel. Like, 
you know. Right. And then Netflix is like, we want all the money. So, and we'll give you more money because we're Netflix. So you do you. And yeah. I, I think it's turned out perfectly for people who want the nostalgia. And it's good fighting, good fighting choreography. I like the kids. I like the adults. I love that there's still at yeah. And it's the truth. This is the truth. I don't care how old you are. If you had that kind of like hostility when you were 18 and you were face to face with that person, you're trying to be an adult. You really are. Johnny's trying. Daniel's trying. And then Daniel's wife all the time is like the voice of fucking reason between the two of them. They're like, uh... Are I saw the funniest thing. It was just a, a small interview that uh, Mikio and uh, I forget the, his name, Johnny's uh, real name, but they're interviewing and like, I don't know what they were really doing, but it was a, 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 a pane of glass in front of them. And it was Cobra Kai. Billy Zapka? Yes. William Zabka, and like the, the Cobra Kai snake with the yellow around it was on the glass. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, it was certainly something funny for them. So there was no word spoken, but they're both trying to clean it, right? So Johnny starts cleaning it with a rag, wiping it off. And then Mikio comes up and he's like, circular, wiping it off. <laughs> so then all of a sudden you see Zabka just kind of like, being detailed, like they're just going back and forth with how they're going to clean that particular image off, and I just thought it was funny. But uh, the the series is worthwhile. It's great. Um, I really like what's good about this is you get to dive in a little deeper with these characters, and it's fun, as Neko said, to revisit this because I saw Karate Kid in the theater when I was like fourteen or fifteen, and the emotion at the end with the the crane kick and everything was, you know, you had a crowd like yelling and screaming, hooray, because uh, it was a big moment. Uh, but I was equally happy when they brought it back because we got to see the other side of this. Johnny's life had kind of gone not the way he thought. He lost his girlfriend and things weren't, you know, Cobra Kai was pretty much dead. He lost the tournament and then his... He was out. Crease was all up in his shit, you know, being pretty mean to him and whatnot. And I think Johnny kind of saw the light there, but it wasn't, he didn't know how to get out of it. And that's what this series kind of about. Now, it does have some redeeming things for Daniel as well. He started out as this guy who made something of himself as a car dealership owner. His wife's successful and he has a good marriage, a good house. And, you know, Johnny's kind of living in an apartment and, you know, drinking. And so with. The roles are kind of reversed early on. You know, Daniel would be kind of, kind of like the bully, like teasing Johnny about beating him. He was using his success with that kick as his platform to be successful. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's just very interesting watching these characters and then the kids, how they're all just going to try to navigate this thing called life. and. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a good moment between Robbie and his father Johnny at the end, which is something we'll be watching because, again, there's these doubts with these kids, like with Crease and Silver, and you know, I don't know. It's, just, it's very interesting, and I like it a lot. So we'll just keep watching it. Yes, agree, one hundred percent. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. 
All right, so in this block coming up, uh, new stuff uh, from The Mist, which, well, actually, this is old stuff from The Mist. I actually have a new EP, which I'll get to next week with them, but uh, we have some brand new stuff from Grey Wolf kicking off. This is Knights of the Round Table.
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? They suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. The ancient Romans called him Orca or Kynus, Latin for bringer of death. He is without challenge, the most powerful animal on the globe, the killer whale. Orca has 48 teeth, set in two impressive rows. In some respects, the orca's intelligence may be even superior to man's. They remain loyal to one mate for life. As parents, they are exemplary, better than many human beings. And like human beings, they have a profound instinct for vengeance. An innocent creature is destroyed by an act of human cruelty. And the ultimate battle of man against nature begins. Dino De Laurentiis presents Orca. Can you commit a sin against an animal? He followed you. He saw you on the deck of the boat. They always remember the human being who had tried to harm them. He deliberately left you your boat because he wants to fight you on the sea. I won't do that. Now the fish have vanished from the fishing grounds. It's all because of your whale. In fact, I won't fight him at all. You're not even man enough to accept the excitement of his challenge. I'll fight you! You're a vengeful son of a... Orca, starring Richard Harris, Charlotte Rampling, Will Sampson, Keenan Wynn. A spectacular adventure. From the depths of the sea. To the top of the world. It's going to be a fair fight. On equal terms. A fight to the death. Nolan! Between the two most dangerous animals on Earth.
the trailer for Orca 1977, oh. starring Dumbledore. I'm just kidding. It actually is Dumbledore. Richard Harris. OG. The original OG. Harry Potter franchise. <laughs> I'm laughing at Neko right now. Tell them why. No, I'm not saying anything, because it wasn't me. It was you. It was you, you ass. <laughs> so, Orca, uh, as you heard the trailer there, Richard Harris, uh, Charlotte Rampine, uh, Will Sampson, Robert Carradine, before he went on to do Revenge of the Nerd films in the 80s. Uh, this this film has only got like a 15% score on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. which sucks ass because it's horribly bad. I like the scoring is bad. Uh, I actually saw this to drive in when I was a young kid. One of the things that the, one of the gripes that this movie takes is that it's too much like Jaws and all that stuff, but the article I was reading on uh, bmoviefilmvault.com is that it's actually a lot different than Jaws. and It is. Because it, it actually flips the script a little bit. You know, instead of the... It's too sad. The creature being the villain, it's actually the humans that are the villains here. Uh, namely, Richard Harris's character, Captain Nolan. And the premise is, uh, Nolan is a, a sea captain who is hunting great white sharks to capture and take to aquariums or, you know, sell them off or whatever. And he's currently hunting a shark. I forget, it's off a bay somewhere, but I can't remember where they are exactly. Canada. Canada. I think Newfoundland. Yeah, so he's hunting a shark and there's a couple of... Uh, research scientists, uh, one of them played by Charlotte Rampling, the other one uh, is Carradine's character, and they're diving. Uh, Carradine's up top with his little speedboat thing, platoon, uh, that's not a platoon boat, but uh, like a small speedboat. Rampling's at the bottom when she sees this white shark around, uh, swimming around, so she's kind of doing the whole uh, Richard Dreyfus thing with Hooper, like inside the coral reef, mm-hmm. just hiding. Uh, so then Harris is on his crew on the boat with Bo Derek, who is another big name in this, that goes on to do many films, including Tommy Boy later. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We had two Bo Derek movies back yep. to back. Yeah, <laughs> not by any particular reason. but So they're hiding the shark. Uh, of course, Carradine sees that their their boat is, like, you know, speeding by, and he's got, like, a diver down uh, flag, which... He's trying to get Carradine to quit chasing the shark as it could hurt the diver. So eventually, Grappling's character gets up at the top, uh, jumps into the boat. They meet up with Harris, and Harris is like, Well, why don't you come aboard? And then I, I forget what it was that Carradine was doing, but he's on his little speedboat before it stops running, like the motor cuts out. So he falls off, and of course, the little speedboat is floating away from him and of course the shark's out there so the shark starts making its way to him uh, which is cool because they actually use real footage of the white shark here um, obviously it's not a shark near him but obviously they took the footage like they did in Jaws and used it to integrate with what they're doing and as the shark's gaining momentum on Carradine's character uh, out of nowhere uh, an orca comes and like kills the white shark like just nails it out of the water which fascinates uh, Harris's character, Captain Nolan. He's like, wow, what on earth would do that? 
Rampling already knows the answer because they've been out there researching orcas and wildlife out there, so she's like an orca. <laughs> Ironically, about that scene, uh, the shark that's killed is what sort of like pokes fun at Jaws because in Jaws 2 there's a scene where uh, orcas washed up on a beach and it's got big chunks bitten out of it so it's kind of like the two movies and we're kind of like just poking fun at each other about who's the better predator I guess what you would say um, at this point though Nolan has decided instead of worrying about the white shark he's going to go tr capture an orca to sell to an aquarium because he's making money trying to pay off the mortgage on his boat. And he's dealing with a loss of his wife and kid through a drunk driving accident a few years before. So this is kind of just what he does now. Uh, and he's kind of a well-respected guy, you know, in terms of uh, the fishing industry and whatnot. So it isn't like he's an asshole, really, per se. But Charlotte Rampling's character is kind of like warning only, you know, you don't want to go after an over. It's not a good idea. Uh, they're very social animals, mammals, and uh, mm -hmm. if something goes wrong, you know, the, the orca can become very vengeful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Nolan, typical man, doesn't listen. We, we laughed about this because the men who don't want to listen to women when <laughs> they have that important information. That is the plot of Alien and Aliens. Yeah. So Nolan, uh, in his quest, he finds a pot of whales, and he's going after the bull. He's going after the male, of course. Now, one thing it always kind of like my laugh about this particular scene is you're trying to capture it, but he's basically using almost like a harpoon uh, device, which he has on his gun. And when he shoots, he misses, he nicks the bull on its fin. Mm -hmm. And then what it does is it hits the female, the, 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 basically the wife of the, the, the male. And uh, she's just screeching and in pain and like, flopping in the water and it's like a horrible thing like Neko is traumatized by a lot of this mm -hmm. early part of the film but it's funny I'll get I didn't really even watch it like I turned my head I, yeah. I couldn't uh, so then they end up after because like then she starts the, the female starts to commit suicide basically she swims around to the back of the boat where the motor is and it starts purposely jumping into the, the blade to kill herself and it's cutting her up and more screaming and carry-ons going on mm -hmm. and then finally Nolan and crew like bring her up on the, the the hitch or whatever it is they got there to bring her on board and like she's still kind of groaning and moaning not realizing she was pregnant so we have like one of the craziest scenes you'll ever see in a, a movie period is a orca Mm -hmm. killer whale uh, miscarriage where the baby falls out on the deck mm -hmm. and no one's like traumatized he's like oh my god what the fuck <laughs> mm -hmm. and then they throw her they back into the water well they spray the fetus off yeah, he was like scared of it he's like get, get it away get, get it away he, you caused this problem motherfucker but then uh, the male is enraged at this point so he starts attacking the boat and so they are like no one's again like he's like we gotta get this female off the ship we gotta like, dump her and they cut the ropes and everything and she falls back in the water and uh basically is bleeding to death at this point mm -hmm. she's pretty much almost finished uh but before Nolan and company can like basically 
drive the boat away, you know, the male orca has kind of put his eyes on Harris's character, and he's like, he knows who he is. And so he follows, like, the rest of the pod hangs with the male for a little while, as no one's gone to some sort of uh, harbor that isn't, like, really their home. What well, is their home? Because they have, like, a place there. So mm -hmm. they go into the harbor, but not realizing the male is actually following the ship with the female. He's pushing the female along her corpse. And uh, eventually pushes the female up into a local beach near where the harbor is. And as the article says, it's sort of like his calling card now. They're like, you know, you know what you did. I'm coming for you. And they're like, how did she wash up? And then the, the one woman who's the scientist was like, her mate pushed her. Yeah, yeah. we find out the bond between the whales is pretty strong. So like I said, the, the pod that's with the orca initially is following the male with the female, but then they turn back and go wherever they're going to go because they know that the male is going to do what he's going to do because they are bonded for life. So now this is like, it turns into a revenge film. As they call it, it's almost like a, a orca version of Death Wish. <laughs> like it's, it's really a really pissed off whale. And so Nolan, knowing that this, you know, he's trying to play it off like, nah, it just washed up here. It didn't, it didn't like get pushed, or he doesn't believe that the whale is yeah, smart enough. Yeah, then he starts enough. drinking heavily. He doesn't believe that the whale is smart enough to like have any kind of emotions. The whale is smarter than you. But ironically, as Neko says, he's drinking more. He's not willing to go out in the water because he's staying on land. So he, deep down, he knows that. He fucked up. He just knows. And he actually lost one of his crew after they dumped the, the female back in the water because the uh, male jumped up and took one of the dudes off the boom, which was holding the whale up. So he already lost one dude uh, via that. Uh, but then what happens is the whale gets smart. It's like, okay, you're going you're gonna to play hide-and-seek for me on the land. Well, I'm going to just start tearing up every, these other fishermen's boats and shit. So he starts methodically sinking these other boats in the harbor, which the local people there are, like, pissed off. They're like, dude, whatever you did, you got to get out there and handle your business because, like, they're fucking with our fish out here and they're fucking up our ships and shit and our boats. You need to, like, go take care of this. But no one initially doesn't do anything. He's like, just chill out, dude. It's not a whale. Trust me. You guys just had bad boats or some shit. Uh, but it isn't until the whale gets really clever because uh, no one has a little house that's on stilts halfway on the land, halfway in the water. Oh, that's right. Oh, I, I like this part. And then now, fucking what's-her-face from... Um, Annie, who's played by Bo Derek. Bo Derek, she thank you. I was thinking her of the braids. She had broken her... Well, that was from 10... But, I know. But she broke her leg prior to this, so she's kind of just sitting in the house, chilling. And the, the male orca now has, like, started taking out the beams to the stilt house. And what happens is it starts to collapse into the water. And Nolan and another guy there, another one of the guys who's actually the boyfriend of Annie, is trying to get to her because she's starting to slip out. <laughs> Literally, like, the, the whale is hitting the... Um the bulkhead and uh, what are they like posts yeah the stilts that are holding yeah up. and it's knocking them out the fucking house is now on an angle so everything is like sliding yeah. down it was crazy oh that was a very dramatic scene oh yeah so what ends up happening is she's 
slipping out into the water a little bit and what the oracle does it comes up and literally bites the cast where the leg is and just rips it off now there's some debate about whether or not she survived this but like everything from i've seen from the scene itself where she just i don't think she got fucking eat well you just took your leg i mean your artery your blood just it's gone like yeah how's she gonna swim right so the leg's gone and she pretty much just dies on the scene and of course now no one's pissed even though it's all his fault that this shit began to happen anyway so he decides that he's going to go out back on the water and face this thing with a couple of guys and then there's like a local Indian native dude who is trying to give him a philosophical advice about how to handle it and then of course Charlotte Rampling is like has like a semi-romantic interest in Nolan at this point. Like, she's warned him time and time again about what was going to happen, but she actually cares for Nolan. There is a there is a point where Nolan has this, like, even throughout before Annie's death, that he's regretting what happened. Like, he, he's kind of kicking himself for not listening to people again, the whole female aspect. Like, you should have listened to me from the beginning. So he's trying <laughs> to somehow rectify what happened with the whale but there's no way to communicate to the whale his his grief or his uh, regret for what happened so the whale is just going to do what it's going to do until it gets what it wants and so now that he's the whale's torn up the town and Annie's death so no one's like leaving and of course the local people are like happier now <laughs> that he's leaving and so they follow the orca which you know they don't understand where it's going but they don't even have that much gas wherever they're gonna go Mm -hmm. that's pretty much their destination but nolan has pretty much chalked it up to either one of us is gonna die and as neko put it when we were watching this is sort of like a a moby dick type thing where the captain is either gonna die or the whale's gonna die one of them Mm -hmm. are going down uh, but for the rest of them, they, you know, they're not really crazy about being left out wherever they are without a way to get back. Now, they do have a radio, and uh, we do find out that they are able to get out some calls at some point because you don't really see it, so you don't really understand. Like, it's confusing at the end with the helicopter. That's one thing that Nichols brought up. Like, when did that happen? Like, how do they fucking know where Yeah, because fuck? this is back in 70. 70- Four, you said? 77. Yeah. Film, yeah. The technology was not quite as good with, like, beacons and trackers. Well, they did have a CB radio, but again, like, you have to wonder what the limit is on that. Well, it depends. Unless okay. they were talking to other ships and passing So, them. there's different channels for different issues. Like, there's a Mayday channel, and when you get on the Mayday channel, um... Like all the ships in within the CB radio can hear it. Pick it up, yeah. Yeah, and back then there were radio operators. It wasn't like now where you don't really need a radio operator because you've got like email and Wi-Fi and everything kind. Radio operators would literally sit in a room all day and take messages because if this was back then and I was on a ship and you needed to get me a message, you would contact whoever on land. And then that person on land would contact the next ship, and then the next ship would contact the next ship, and then the next ship would contact whatever ship I'm on and say, Hey, it's Scott. Uh, the check bounced on our mortgage. Like, they, they, it's, and it's not, it's funny, but like, some of these older sailors that I work with, they, they're like, that's how it worked. Like, that's how you got emergency notifications from home, and it would not be expedient. Like, 
when my mom was sick, you're like, your mom is sick. Like, you immediately sent me a message, and right. I got it immediately. It would be, in order for you to get a message to a ship, you would have to contact a shore radio station. And that shore radio station would have to do relay until you got... And it could be something embarrassing like that, like, I'm sorry, the mortgage check bounced, what am I supposed to do? And then you, the, whoever the radio operator would type it up, hand it out to whoever, and then you would give it back to him, and then those messages would go back. But that's basically, we, we see a helicopter there, so... Where, where the fuck's this helicopter coming from? Because who right. the fuck, how, who, how did you get a fucking helicopter there? Right, so, anyway. Uh, so we get, as they're following the whale, they just start going to the Arctic. And, you know, you got icebergs and ice platforms and stuff. Something that whales are accustomed to, orcas especially. And now we're also having where, as we're going along here, like, the crew members are starting to die off because the whales are either getting them or, in the case of the native guy, like an ice avalanche hits them at some point. So then we're down to both Nolan and Rampling's character who were left and they're stranded so they're jumping on these little floatable ice pads that are out there. Um, and they're trying to get to a point where they're on a bigger one where they don't have to worry about because whales are always very good at like <laughs> hunting seals and stuff like that. So they're... She gets to a safer part of it and then as Nolan's trying to get there... Uh, the whale gets smart and hits it from underneath and breaking it off to where now Nolan's become separated from her where the bigger one is. So now it's just Nolan on this little piece of a uh, ice lily pad I call <coughs> Sorry. Damn. Rampling does show, uh, throw him his rifle and now it comes down to both the whale and Nolan. But there's a point where the whale pops its head up. Of course, you can tell it's fake, but this is 1977, so... But most of the footage is all, like, captivity whales or out, you know, just random footage, which works. But... Nolan hesitates, basically, and I think, again, he's battling this inner demon about, like, whether or not he should be facing the wrath, like legitimately which he should be you know it's just his regret and guilt that he feels so in some ways he's almost like second doubting himself whether or not he really wants to kill this thing because it's not the whale's fault so what we end up having is the uh the whale does the whole thing where he pops up on top of the lily pad ice thing and like you know Nolan's character is sliding down into the water which is what they do with seals if you've ever seen it in the mm -hmm. Discovery they, Channel. They like, play with them. They yep. like bounce them side to side. Right. So uh, Nolan's in the water the whale's kind of circling and just kind of fucking with him a little bit and then gets it Nolan on his tail. Again another thing that whales would do with seals is pop them around with their tails for, like they're playing with them. Mm -hmm. and, they, and he does that. The whale throws Nolan back to the ice where the rampling is and Nolan hits it so hard that he's just dead instantly. Like, it's that much power. And he ends up floating back down into the water as he dies. Uh, and at this point, the whale is kind of looking at rampling, but I don't think it really has any animosity to her. Uh, she just happens to be there. So it kind of just leaves her be and then it kind of goes up. Now, the funny thing about the ending with the whale is... And one thing that gets mentioned is the soundtrack to this, which I think is a really good song. It's both happy and sad. It, it gives you this multi-feeling throughout the film. Uh, 
and as the whale's going underneath the uh, ice cap there, part of me wonders, does it actually end up dying? Because it did get stabbed at one point, and... But he broke it off. Right, but then, like, uh, you know, it has to bring up... Because one of the things that Nolan thought was good on his part was, oh, well, the whale's taking us to the Arctic. It's going to have to breathe at some point. So he's thinking, yeah, we can almost suffocate this thing, which isn't really going to work with a whale, but... There is a point at the end when it's swimming away that, like, there's really no open area. So I'm wondering, apart me, if it's ever going to really get back up and pop through to get, like, air or not. But chances are it survives. Uh, but it's I'm kinda, saying he survived. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, but there is it's just that weird thing at the end. Of course, we saw that, talked about the helicopter showing up for rampling. Like, who, who called out the Mayday? I didn't see that. Uh... The film is dated, look. I mean, you, you know, it is dated. It's a 77 film, but if you're like me and you grew up in a lot of these creature features of the 70s, like Tentacles and Piranha, Jaws and all this stuff, it, it, it's a fun movie to watch. Like, I haven't seen it in many years. This was the first time in quite, quite a long time that I've even watched it. Uh, but it still stood out to me a lot. And it is a lot different than Jaws. It's a lot different than a lot of the other creature features because it was basically man versus uh, creature where the creatures were the villains, and this is kind of a different case. It, it approached it entirely different uh, in terms of, like, what the storyline was about, and it was good. I really enjoyed it. I tried to get E-Rock to, uh, I, I posted a, the sound the soundtrack theme for Oh, really? It. I was trying to get E-Rock to, to do a cover of that, but I don't know if you ever saw it, but, um, It'd be kind of goofy cool did, but either way, like, I like the movie. I don't, I'm not sure NECA was crazy about it, maybe more just because of what the original or the uh, early part of the film dealt with, the I trauma never, with see, it all. The thing is, I've never seen this movie ever because I knew what happened, and he wanted this to be his pick of the week, and I told him no, and he's like, <laughs> but it's my pick. I can watch whatever I want. It's my pick, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't watch it. Like, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the whole, like, part. And then I'd catch a glimpse and I'd turn my head and ignore it because... But the, the sound, like, the whale sounds and the... And I, like, it was making me upset. I'm getting upset now <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's heart-wrenching, but that's... That, to me, is what's good about it because if it, if it didn't play off like it was real... It, it wouldn't have sold you on the movie and that's the thing like I, and it, it affected me as a kid and it affects me now like that like it like yeah it's a very we'll just say what my mom always used to say it's all pretend it is it is but that's that drives the story and drives like and the funny thing is neko says yeah she didn't like the beginning but dude throughout the rest of the film she's like Kill them motherfuckers! I was like, that's right. Destroy yep. his house. Eat him. Eat her. Eat yep. them all. Every time the whale did something to destroy something, she's like, yeah, get them. Get them yeah, all. Sink those fucking boats. <laughs> yeah. I hate you all. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, she she was, she, the purpose was to get you involved and to feel sympathy for the whale, which we do. And, you know, the vengeful part of it is what everyone enjoys because, yeah, we know Nolan kind of has this, like, reverts back to the grit and guilt about it all but the reality is he deserves his outcome it really is because you can understand the whale this is they're bonded for life uh they do they mate for life they live in pods they're families yeah that baby that baby that was like 
aborted or whatever miscarried, yeah. miscarried because of the trauma that the whale induced uh i i really enjoyed the film still i think it's very underrated uh you know even if you want to say it was like 50 or 60 percent worthy of rotten tomatoes 15 is a bit highly low for me I, I, on that film uh i think it was just good but you know granted stated but it makes my heart break all right, well, we're getting ready to push through here. Push it real good. We were doing that before dun, dun, the fucking movie. Ooh, baby, baby. <laughs> we were, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what even made us do that? I don't know. Uh, I think we were watching a commercial or something, but but it wasn't just like singing "Push It." It was we were doing like the music and the lyrics to "Push yeah. It," like. It was great. Well, I got some songs by Jay-Z Press and Inverse Records coming up, but we're going to kick off some classic material by Cryptophobism, People That No One Will Miss. Uh, Maybe uh, Captain No One We Won't Miss. It is. That's who I won't miss (laughs) at all, that motherfucker.
Shepard, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
All right, DJ Anubis. And DJ Neko. Hey, I'm on the end. I normally don't stay until the end because normally by the end I'm like, I'm cooking dinner. Yeah, it's either dinner or she's taking a dump or she's passed out. Take your pick. I mean, it's only 7.18. It's not time to pass out yet, but usually... <laughs> There's been times, man, when you've been so drinking all day and you're like... I'm day drinking and I'm like... You're like, oh, I gotta go upstairs and I'm like, I never see you the rest of the time. <laughs> well, usually what happens, because I'm hungry too... Um, oh, ar- yeah, I'm starving. Around, like, when we're doing the rock block, you're like, let's get... Or no, not the rock block. Like, our last topic, you're like, what's for dinner? And I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> and you're like, I don't know. So then we start, like, I'm like, all right, I'll figure out something. And I start making dinner. Today, you and I have just been, like, chit-chatting so much. And one thing I appreciate about you, and, and I love, you know, I love you, but, like, one thing I'm really, like, happy about is we're very open and frank with each other. We were just having a discussion because of, um, we necessarily don't need to move. We're not unhappy. We actually really like our house, but we would like a tiny little sliver of more room, and we also would like a second bathroom, and, you know, everybody my family is talking about moving and going to a different state and I'm like I'm I'm okay with that but you guys are all retiring and we're not so he and I were just having like a really good discussion about like okay I'm good with this are you good with this and I'm like I'm good with this and so it's been kind of fun um I I found some really cool houses and I'm like this is the house this is and he's like, but it only has one bathroom, like, now. And I'm like, but the house. That's my problem, because I fall in love with these. I don't want a cookie-cutter shitty house that's all, like, you know, the trend. I How did you and I even, like, we like wood. Nobody likes wood anymore. They're painting it. They're they're painting it white. They're, I'm from the 70s. I think that's You're what You're a it, 90s bitch, so it's but, like wood down here our our kitchen all the cabinets are wood i'm like i like the wood tone when we get the kitchen done this year i'm gonna be like wood cabinets wood i don't want the dark wood but i want the wood wood like what is the medium wood is i i have no idea if you know what medium wood is message us anywho so it's it's just been fun today because we've been just like chit-chatting a lot and now i'm getting ready to go cook us a steak so appreciate all you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Kevin, I saw your message on YouTube. So, yeah, I will get you that Tombstone Blue uh, when I get a chance. It won't be on this episode, probably the next one. But I'll get it fit in there. You dedicated to me, so that's cool. Aww. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been told, I think I mentioned this either on the YouTube uh, last video we did or not, but our website's close to being done. So that'll be up soon. I'll be advertising that on social media once we're launching that. And then, uh, yeah, so it'll be a lot easier for you guys to just go and go to one site and check everything out. Again, thanks for the support. Uh, it's really appreciated. And uh, get ready to head out of here. So we got some classic hypocrisy closing it out. Golf clap. Golf clap. And I am, I know, this has kind of been an unorthodox week for me because... I've been home working, and I don't normally work from home. I think uh, 
just our little adventure yesterday to in the afternoon and you know I've just been so happy with you. Even when I'm not happy with you, I'm happy with you. All right, all. I love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Peace out. I love you, man. I love you, man. No. I love you. Just say thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, all. Bye. Yeah.